everybody. Welcome to 372 Pages. We'll never get back. I'm Connor Lestoka. This is the Bad Book Club podcast where we read books that we don't think we're going to like and occasionally are uh, amused by uh, and often uh, find ourselves somewhat enjoying. Uh, would, would that be an accurate way of putting this, Mike? I think I, I misstated it. We often are amused by them, sometimes end up liking them. Is that <laughs> That's our catchphrase. That's all, yeah, our catchphrase. Often are amused by them. <laughs> Sometimes we like that. Uh, yeah, I think that's I think that's fair enough. Uh, speaking of, you said book club. Somewhere in my mind, I just thought of the quilters. The quilters. And then it reminded me of this, and this will put a date on when we're doing this. Have you seen the latest, uh, I, and I believe the final season of John Wilson's How To? I have just, yeah, watched the, uh, over the weekend, yeah, started watching them yesterday. The Cozy Mystery Lady. The Cozy Mystery <laughs> Lady. I, I forgot about that. I watched it last <laughs> night. I meant to bring it up. I just watched it last night. So uh, they, I think the, uh, look, uh, we don't want to get bogged down here because we're just starting this podcast. But uh, uh, John Wilson, I think he is in like peak John Wilson. Uh, episodes two and three are like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> this can't be real yet it seems to be real anyway yes. the uh the cozy mystery woman coming on was just like went, you know st- stand up with a big foam finger and go yeah <laughs> <laughs> he went so to a good. cat show uh I, I forget why i think just to see it but then there was someone at the cat show who was a he never used the term i thought he i was hoping that was going to be the detour but she obviously wrote cozy mysteries about a woman with she sort of explained the premise. I was like, we know the premise here. The woman yes. has a supernatural cat that helps her solve mysteries. <laughs> yes. And then they had some relatively low effort puns on them, yes, I felt like. exactly. And he ended up going back to her house and she took pictures of him without his shirt on. So. <laughs> yep. Oh, so strange. Anyway, yes, this is the podcast where we talk about bad books. And uh, we're in the middle of... Uh, what Dodie Smith is that her name? Dodie Smith, yes, yes. The uh, Starlight Barking, which is the sequel to 101 Dalmatians, um, which was a book before it was the beloved Disney movie. And <laughs> as we've seen before, these sequels to beloved movies can often go off the rails. Not that the first book wasn't necessarily um, on the rails itself. We got uh, a couple emails that filled us in with some of the details about the book version of 101 Dalmatians, which I think is, uh, is, is worth covering here just because it provides some valuable context for some of the stuff we're about to hear in this episode. That's good because, yeah, this has come up before with like, um, not that this was a sequel, but Artemis and, you know, the, his other books, people going like, ah, look back at this now. Yep. Yep. This made me think, so I'm glad. Okay. In light yes. of recent evidence, yes. Yes. Well, that doesn't seem to be the case here. People say that the first book was pretty messed up, too. It doesn't, you know, I don't think it gets as weird as this one, but here's an email from Stephen. Uh, he runs down some bullet points here. He says, uh, Cruella DeVille's hair is weird because she drank ink at school. Mm. Um, and it says, all her food is neon colored and tastes of pepper. So that provides some pretty uh, pretty valuable context. Oh, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Her ancestor is literally Satan. <laughs> oh, so wow. That's, okay. That's that opens up a yeah. new... <laughs> uh, there's more information about that in the second email. It says, uh, she openly tells the dearly she loves murdering cats, and they don't mind when she says this. And it says, Perdita, who isn't Pongo's wife here, 
got knocked up when she ran into the woods for a five minute quote marriage to a strange dog. So uh, here, here's the, uh, here's the, um, that the excerpt about that. It says it was love at first sight without even bothering to eat the chicken. He came bounding to her and they were away into a wood together before anyone could stop them here. They made swift arrangements for their marriage, promising to love each other always. Then the happy husband told his wife she must, of course, come and live with him and led her back to the common. But as they reached it, along came the farmer Perdita lived with in his rattling old car. He dragged her into it, and a picnic party bundled her husband into their car. Both dogs struggled and howled, but it was useless. The cars drove off in opposite directions. Nine weeks after her marriage, Perdita had eight puppies. Wow. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So, yeah, it's very much a marriage in the sense of just... uh, Little hump fest in the woods. That's what they're... It's her, her euphemism there. Uh, the second email is from Monica. It says, Cruella's la- original last name is DeVille. She made her husband take her name when they married. He's the yes, dear type. Um, it says that she uh, used to own a white Persian cat and drowned litter after litter of the cat's kittens, 44 total, <laughs> because she, the cat, always chooses some wretched alley cat as the father. And then it says, wow. uh, yeah, um, it says Dodie Smith got the idea for Cruella when a socialite friend at a party looked at one of her dogs and said it would make a nice coat. <laughs> um, Holy cow. So if you are the devil, so she's she's a, an offspring of direct the descendant, devil? it seems like direct descendant. And then she just marries some dude, I guess. Yep. Right. He's not supernatural in any way. Mm, yeah. No, it doesn't sound like it. Okay, this just seems to me like this is a downgrade. Da- yeah, marrying like you, you are, you know, like... you fell like lightning from heaven. You were one of uh, God's, you know, angels, mm-hmm. and you uh, you rebelled against Him, and then you head to Earth and drown kittens. I, I just seems like a big downgrade. Yeah, you should be fighting Michael the Archangel or something, you know, in these battles, you know, over galaxies and stuff like that. It just seems really, it seems really downstream. It is. It's sort of one of those, uh, you know, heirs to the, you know, Habsburg dynasty that's now DJing at Firefest or something. Or you yeah, know. devolution. Yeah, it just is like, <laughs> dude, we we expected you to run the company, not to like, uh, yeah, do the Firefest. Uh, you know, and t- you know, for to the credit, she does seem to lead a, an evil life, so she's upholding the the family ideals, but. Yeah, the, yeah the, but the, anyone can do that. There's yeah, nothing true. she's doing that someone else couldn't do. So it's like, where is all that power, you know, going? I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the final one gives some more information about the uh, the devil father, though. So this is from Matthew. He'd said, uh, my apologies. Uh, this is going to be a long one. But as the owner of what is, to my knowledge, the only the world's only cad pig plush, uh, he sent an attached photo. I feel compelled to offer up a lore dump Regarding our, regarding our glorious future Dalmatian overlord. He says that uh, in the uh, 1997 se- uh, animated series, they picked up on the dictatorial aspects of Cadpig and turned her into a defining character flaw. In the series, Cadpig espouses a new age, peace and love, can't we all just get along message. But beneath her tranquil veneer, she is violent, manipulative, and obsessed with control. Take these oh. lines from the episode Mall Pups. When faced with the prospect of meeting the American president's dog, Cadpig says, I could be his spiritual guru. 
Offer my voice views on world peace, ways he can help the strays and impounded. Take over his mind until he does my bidding and I take over the world. After the sound effect of an ominous thunderclap plays, she looks bashful and remarks, <laughs> Oopsie, I guess I got a little ahead of myself. And then it wow. says, yeah, so this, uh, it, it looks like a very Disney Channel-esque, like, you know, low-rent animated series, but they, uh, they, they, they got the lore right. But then it says, the original 101 Dalmatians novel gives more information for many things that the Starlight Barking only hints at, including Cruella's name and backstory. DeVille is actually her last name from birth. She forced her weak-willed husband to take her family name upon marriage. (laughs) And in addition, the first book very much does imply that Cruella is at least partially a demon. Chapter 10 states that her family line began with a mysterious ancestor who gave Hell Hall its current name and apparently used the place to kidnap and brutally murder local children. (laughs) Good Uh, Lord. Yeah. Quote, villagers crossing the heath at night heard screams and wild laughter. Were there prisoners behind the prison-like wall? People began to count their children carefully. Good Lord. Yeah, right. Uh, (laughs) Disney comes a-calling. When the villagers finally have had enough and form an angry mob, the first DeVille escapes them by making the gates of Hell Hall open by themselves, as we've seen in this book, and shooting lightning from his body as he rides into the night on a horse-drawn carriage. The clear implication is that the original DeVille is indeed Satan himself. Uh, While it lacks the out-and-out kookiness of Starlight Barking, 101 Dalmatians is itself a very weird and at times deeply disturbing book. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, this book has earned it then. All right. <laughs> so that sets the stage nicely to uh, leap back in to Starlight Barking, which, to recap, has had every non-dog on the planet fall into some deep sort of sleep that they're unable to be waking from, no, no matter how much licking of faces the dogs do. And uh, they're able to whoosh now, and they're able to communicate telepathically to each other. Every I'm dog glad that, I'm glad that you said uh, they're able to whoosh now and then gave no explanation. For that. That's uh, everyone. Well, you you understand. There's so many levels of whooshing. It's uh, <laughs> to get into them. There's a, a, a minor whoosh, I think. The quick whoosh. They Starlight can... whoosh. <laughs> Twilight whoosh. And uh, they've, they've whooshed into London to join Cadpig, the manipulative uh, um, dog there at the uh, prime minister's residence. Because uh, she's she's called every dog there, and they this has become the seat of the whole operation. And the 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 strange thing that has happened is that like not so there's there's uh, that dogs obey traffic lights when they whoosh, which you wouldn't you wouldn't think that would be the case. <laughs> you would think it would be like um, you know Rome uh, driving in Rome. You just like enter the you just go. Yeah, you got to try to make it work. Make there's rude no, dog gestures at the other dogs. <laughs> yes. There's no, hey, I'm driving. I'm whooshing in. Uh, but no, they obey the traffic lights, and I guess they follow the roads, mm-hmm. uh, which I talked um, uh, last episode. Again, I'm sorry for the microphone thing. Talked last <laughs> episode about uh, having dreams of flying. Uh, a, a friend of mine, I want to update this. A friend of mine says a similar thing happened to him. He used to be able to dream of flying. Now when he dreams of flying, he flies, but it's like 15 feet over roads. So he has to follow the road. So I was like, that is exactly like whooshing. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. You have to... You uh, have to, do, you know, you could go as the crow flies, but instead, like, nope, obey the traffic rule. Yeah, and I believe they obey the traffic signals even though they have the mental ability to change them on the fly. They're like, yes, they oh. have all control over electronics and things like that. 
Yes. And they're telepathic and yes. <laughs> so yeah, they've they fortunately, you know, the dogs limited intellect, you know, as 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 most dogs do, so they're not able to grasp like I could uh, you know, reroute the course of the oceans and 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 wipe out uh you know, the uh, subcontinent somewhere, but uh, I'm just going to use it to make the light turn green as I approach it. Which, you know, you've ever sat in traffic, you've dreamed of doing that yourself, so. Yeah, and it, it, it's like that, um, it's a party game of, um, you know, what if you went back, or, or what if, like, all technology somehow just disappeared and you were the only one who could explain it to everyone else? Uh-huh. Like, what would you be able to do? Like, ah, we had these things, they were called computers? Uh-huh, uh-huh, how did they work? I don't know. I just like turn it on. <laughs> so that's what dogs are like. Like, eh, I have all this ability. I just don't. Ah, I got these paws. I don't know. It's uh, I yeah. can't too much. I'm not an ambitious breed. Fortunately, <laughs> no, that's I think right. for humanity. <laughs> uh, all right. So we're in. Uh, we're at Downing Street in chapter. This is chapters five through eight that we're going to go. Yes, through, correct. Chapter yes. five is the cabinet meeting, and it yes says Cadpig was standing at the open door of number ten. Um, so I, my first thought was like, okay, like the first four chapters were a little weird, weird, little dabbled into some, you know, uncomfortable territory at times, but I'm sure that's going to be straightened out and we'll get a straightforward book for the, for the rest of this time. It says as a pup, she had been unusually small and she was still on the small side for a full grown Dalmatian. But apart from that, she was almost a perfect specimen of the breed. (laughs) (laughs) So nope, (laughs) right into it again. I, I, my first note as well has the uh, six-letter name of the person who I'm sure will be coming up. But uh, <laughs> that's the party that didn't win the last election, Cad Pig explained to her mother. But of course, we, we're we all on the same side now. Everyone should be on the same side. Always, said Mrs. Think how much time it would save. But I've heard there's a catch in it, said Cad Pig. You see, sometimes everyone gets on the wrong side. Yeah. I, I'm sorry to have to read it. Hitler. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Anything in uh, recent history, Dodie Smith, that uh, makes you <laughs> think about this in a less simplistic term? I don't know. Holy cow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Doing the, uh, you know, the, the, the room speech, if everyone loved one another, things would be so much easier to Hitler is a <laughs> yes. little bit of a hard sell, I think. And speaking of politicians, there was a, a weird line that was like, she was presenting the foreign secretary, a plump, jovial boxer. He reminded Mrs. of someone but couldn't think who it was. And I guess they, they resolved that rather quickly about who it reminds her of. But like, I wasn't sure if that was a, like, pol- another political joke of the era, of which we get a few more in this in this. Yeah, section. yeah, that one kind of comes up. But I think it still is a sideswipe on someone real, I think. I don't yeah. know. The uh, uh, listener named Amanda wrote in and said she looked it up and the the foreign secretary then was a guy named George Brown, who was a notorious drinker. And there's a uh, a funny story about him going up to a uh, uh, at a um, reception in South America. He approached someone and asked someone to dance. And they said, I will not dance with you for three reasons. The first is that you were drunk. The second is that the band is not playing a waltz, but the Peruvian national anthem. And the final reason is that I am the Cardinal Archbishop of Lima. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So that's possibly who this uh, boxer reminded her of. Okay. And I'm sure there are uh, references to uh, Churchill in here. Yes. I mean, yes. Uh, This, though, I don't know who she, I think she's just taking on the police here. I can't feel that policemen should be allowed indoors, said Mrs. <laughs> anyway, he makes the hall look untidy. 
So I I don't know. Is that just supposed to be a haha? We all hate the Bobbies. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, the, what's all this then? I mean, I, yeah, she she hates them, but she's also Cadpig has very quickly you know won them over and and realized it would be important to have the police on her side to suppress any sort of uh, rebellion being fomented or anything. So I think it's a uh, you 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 love them but want to keep them. You hate them but want to keep them at arm's reach. I guess keep your enemies close. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, so her secret police force, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah, who are German shepherds, I believe. I guess those are probably the actual (sighs) police dogs, but, you know, it it does stack up. (laughs) That was, uh, that would have been a, uh, I mean, I, I know people who still, I mean, now it's, it's becoming rarer and rarer who just, uh, you know, German shepherd. Uh, there's a connotation there for (laughs) some people that is extremely dark. And so people... Uh, People just casually having them to some people is like, you are insulting me. But. Wow. The first time I met uh, Lauren's grandfather, who uh, him and his wife were both, you know, survivors of a camp. Um, and, you know, he was sort of telling stories about like raising Lauren's mom and stuff. And I said something like, you know, did you did you guys ever have a dog? And he's like, no, we never we never got them dogs. And I'm like, yeah, you can't get a kid a dog. They say they're going to walk it, and they never do. And he's like, we never have dogs because in the concentration camp, the, the, the German shepherds bark at me, and they would try to bite you. I'm like, that's not what I wanted to bring up here. It's a, wow, <laughs> it's a, okay. I was so just trying to do a little uh, sitcom-y meeting the grandparents moment. As a uh, dogs, huh? yeah, Oh, right. boy. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, people do sort of have that connotation still. Okay. Did, uh, right. 12 years ago. Uh, but the uh, they observe the prime minister. The, the police dog lets them do that, and uh, they sort of he's relaxing as well. And I was like, "Is this when you see a dog sleeping and you're like, oh, he's chasing rabbits type of thing? Is that what they're saying? All the humans are doing? They're like, oh, he's smiling slightly. That must mean he's really relaxing. Um, and they say he looks very peaceful, younger than on television. He's an excellent color," said Pongo. Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> he's the right color," said Pongo. <laughs> Um, and, uh, they, they say like, they even like him better because he's not talking. And Mrs. says he talks too much on television. And Pongo said, I agree. He should just sit there with you on his knee, cad pig, smiling kindly, but saying nothing. Could you give him the hint? (laughs) And I was like, well, that would be if a, I've tried to imagine like what it would be like if a politician would go onto TV, give an address that said nothing, but just was sort of like sitting there petting their dog. Uh, distinctly unsettling is how I thought it would be. <laughs> uh, Nixon's checker speech would be a lot different if it was just Nixon sitting there. <laughs> Holding, uh, Holding checkers. checkers, thrusting it into the camera, like showing off something on a webcam. Yeah, it might not have <laughs> gone over so well. But uh, yeah, th- so that's one example. And it turns out that like people have have speculated about this. What 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 would happen? Yes, if a politician were to do this, vast topic of discussion on the on the dark web. Oh my God! You went to the dark web? I it, we didn't do it last time. I was you know the dark web, not necessarily known as a not a CD place on the internet. So with all the talk we've been having in this, I would I didn't really want to see what they were getting up to with the. Uh, 
you know, the right type of breed, all that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, this is already, oh boy, put, putting in those keywords must have been hell for Yeah, you. it was just yeah, like, you know, geez. you know, super incognito mode on the dark web. Not a place you really want to delve into. Sure. However, political speeches, even, even with the he had some good ideas kind of tone here, I felt like it was important my duty probably to uh, yeah you're doing the lord's work here yes thank thank you thank you for your service so i found one particular uh recreation theoretical recreation that i thought was um you know it was kind of ambitious and chilling i think to to what would happen if the prime minister were, were to go on on tv and do this in this in this modern era and you think it would go a little something like this I do. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it does go like that. I'm going <laughs> to okay. play it now. So right, it, could, it can only go one way, and that's what I'm about <laughs> sure, to Sure, yes. Get. The so one that you found on yeah, the dark exactly. web. Let's, yes. let's, let's check it out. Oi, Ollie, get in here. You gonna see this. All right, all right. I'll be right there. What is going on, Miles? Is that a news conference on the telly? Yeah, the PM's giving an address. Oh, bloody hell, mate. Sorry to have... Missed an update on the tariff rate or whatever. Switch to the football match. Easy, easy. Tell you, look at this. He's just sitting there smiling. Hmm. Not saying a word, is he? It's been going on five minutes. Got that dog on his knee. It's kind of unsettling, isn't it? Oh, the hell do you mean? She's not saying nothing. No. Not with words, no. Probably just a prank, Miles. Uh, Turn it off. Let's head to the pub. (laughs) I want a darts rematch. I can't believe the last time when you hit that triple 20 on me. Ollie, if you could just zip your bloody lip for ten seconds and pay some damn respect to the damn Prime Minister. I'll be at the pub if you need me, mate. Can't be more than one bloke in the entire UK watching this nonsense, and it turns out it's me bloody roommate. Oh, I think there's more than just me. (laughs) It's been nearly 24 hours since the Prime Minister's infamous silent address, and escalating chaos continues to envelop the United Kingdom. If you'll look to my left, you'll see Parliament, well... What remains of Parliament as it continues to burn. The silence was the message! The silence was the message! The silence was the message! There seems to be a temporary lull in the fighting between the warring factions of doomsday cults that have sprung up in the wake of the bizarre press conference. The minister has already boarded the UFO. Only his most favored will be invited to board next. Remain silent if you wish to board. I am... Accepted from the silence policy. Prime Minister could not be reached for comment by phone, or perhaps he was commenting, just not in a way that any sane person could interpret. When will the next PM drop happen? The acolytes await his silent wisdom. I will be conducting a mass wedding on the banks of the Thames in 15 minutes. I'm here with one of the more vocal leaders here in the burning streets of London. Sir, what is your name? Uh, in the BSE, before Silent Era, it was Miles. 
But thou can now call me Father Tingo. Father Tingo, you've painted your face black and white, I see. Yes, that was Edict 47 from the Prime Minister to mimic the appearance of his beloved dog, Canpig. Well, that seems relatively harmless. <laughs> yes, yes. Edict 46 was the extermination of every Brit whose name starts with R. Well, that one less so. Disbelievers must be annihilated. It is the sacred silent word of the PM and his dog! Father Tingo, you've seized control of this quadrant of London remarkably fast. To what do you credit the rapid success of your cult? <laughs> well, true believers, we know what the Prime Minister meant by his silent gaze, and we're committed to die and kill for it. Also, we've, uh, yeah, we've got a great bench guy selling t-shirts and stickers really helping us get a leg up from a cash flow perspective. I'll take one of those stickers. You can't be too safe. For what remains of the BBC, I'm Tad Roundabout. Uh, I think my roommate just got interviewed on the BBC. Oi, quit wanking, you're up on dots. Ooh, dots. <laughs> hey, Brett, I think yesterday the PM was predicting that I'm about to hit a triple 20. Oh, cram it, Ollie. I'll be damned. Triple 20. <laughs> well done, Ollie. Ollie is no more. You may call me Papa Blango. God save the Queen! We mean it, man! We love our Queen! God save! God save the Queen! Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, it I'm glad like, you did it. I'm yeah. glad you did it. Thank you. It's someone's got to do it, and uh, you know, I just want. Mostly, I wanted to prove Mrs. wrong. That would be a bad idea, Mrs. Bad dog. <laughs> Sometimes I, I do. I question Mrs. Yeah. I know she's supposed to be pure as the driven snow, just a sort of lovely figure. I mean, look, she has a perfect marriage. Perfect marriage. Yes. Uh, great kids. <laughs> But uh, sometimes she says things that are just a little, I don't know, just a little off. Yeah. These dogs get hung up on things, and they need to let them go. I mean, it's been a stressful 24 hours, I think. But fortunately, it doesn't go in the direction that I think that t- the 24 hours in the dark web right. uh, bit went on. So Right. Well, it, it goes weird places. <laughs> uh, but uh, so Cad Pig, who I think I told you off the air, is I just can't get used to the name. Yeah. Because it is, I mean, I assume that the character we're supposed to be hearing in our head is like Vanessa Redgrave or something, you know, like a a Redgrave, right? Mm -hmm. Or um, Dame Judi Dench or something like that. Like, well, thank you so much for coming to uh, Downing Street. Yeah. Would you like to see the Prime Minister? Uh, (laughs) uh, But, and then Cad Pig said... (laughs) Oh, sometimes I like to sit by the fireplace. Uh, My master used to have a pipe and a glass of sherry, and I said, Cad Pig. I just, I can't get it into my mind. Yeah, if he was doing, you know, writing this modern day, Roly Poly would be the one named Cad Pig, and Cad Pig would be, you know, you know, Brittany or something like that. But yeah, I, I think she she might be putting on those airs, though. They're like, Cad Pig, why do you talk like Jane Duty Dench when you left... You know, uh, three months ago, you had a, a yeah. very normal sort of a provincial accent. And 
Now you've like uh, a stu- I'll be heading into town then, mate. I'll be seeing you on the other side. <laughs> yeah, it's like a, a study abroad uh, person who came back with an accent. You, you were gone for <laughs> yes. eight, eight weeks tops. Um, you don't speak Italian. Stop that. <laughs> uh, but uh, Cadpig uh, finds the ability to run elevators. Yeah. Uh, so here it is. Oh, it's uh, the lift's perfectly safe, said Cadpig. I know which buttons to press, though today I'm working it by my thoughts. And, you know, this was uh, the 60s, right, when she wrote this? Yes. Still a lot of elevator operators <laughs> who I, I, I bet were going like, oh, really? Oh, okay. So now dogs can just run <laughs> these things with their mind. And so, all right. And just like taking their little square hats off and throwing them on the ground <laughs> and stomping on them and ripping their lapels and their little epaulets off. Fine, fine. You think I'm just a dog? I've never heard anything about the, uh, the, the dark days that affected that union. They must have had some sort of... Uh, you know, oh, what are you going to do? Like, let the let Joe Schmo here be the guy that presses the button. You're going to let that guy who can't even uh, park his car right be the guy that presses uh, floor seven. Huh, good luck with that. Some guy who just walked in the building is like, why am I the guy? <laughs> Jeez. I mean, it's, it's like gas pumping, right? Right. People, yeah. You know, suddenly one day just like, really? I'm just going to hand a spray hose of gas to that person? <laughs> okay. Uh but yeah, they do operate the lifts telepathically, and they also uh, like thank when they get out of this because Mrs. was very nervous. The lift reached the hall and opened the doors. Mrs. having hurried out remembered to thank them, so she's thanking the lift. She thought it wise to keep on their right side. Uh, <laughs> so they're they, they still have this uneasy sort of tension about what's going on here because they never know when these uh, machines that they depend on could be turning on them. That is either a, uh, that's meant to be sort of a slam on the pets, or it's sort of a Twilight zone like, when is this going to go? When are the elevators just going to go like, hey, you know what? This works on us too. We're sentient now as well. Right. And yeah. uh, it's a war between you, <laughs> between the elevators and cars and traffic lights and you dogs. <laughs> the elevators learn how to gentle whoosh and it's yes. all downhill from there. They yeah, shoot out of the top of the building and... Go great glass elevator on us. Uh, you know, right. Hey, we've got four more chapters, and I'm not re- writing anything off at this point in time. You think the elevators go Willy Wonka on us, huh? <laughs> Start flying around. Yes, they can go right. the high, sideways, diagonal. That's the, uh, right. they, the act here. They, they, crush, they crush the Dalmatians under the weight of the elevators. Uh, uh, hopefully the, uh, at least a lot of cats are killed in the, in the process. To make <laughs> the devil, has her way, to make the devil happy anyway. Yes. Uh, the, uh, they go back and, uh, like see that there's all these dogs here. And then the, uh, plump boxer comes back up to them again. And they, he says, uh, if it's all right by you, cad pig, can I make one of your brothers, my private secretary? He's a splendid fellow. And it turns out I, I my note was like, oh, this is funny. It's going to be like the Billy Carter of dogs. And then it says the boxer <laughs> had joined Roly Poly, who was happily wagging his tail. And she says, uh, Pongo says, Cadpig, dear, I'm not sure your foreign secretary has made a wise choice. And it is. It's the classic uh, presidential loser brother who gets a uh, high up nepotism appointment. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, do you still have, didn't you, did you buy Billy Beer? I bought Billy Beer. It came uh, from eBay. Just, you know, 
pretty much tossed in a in a cardboard box. So rusted, corroded, cans leaking everywhere. It was not worth keeping around. Okay, but they were the the full cans, right? Is they that were, the dividing line? That was the full cans, yeah. And it was you know not super expensive. I think that was one of those things everyone kept being like, well, this will be valuable, and it's like, nope, everyone kept those, and they're uh, they they haven't been brought back as a uh, you know ironic you know brew by a. Uh, 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 you know, a brewery these days. Think that seems people, odd that uh, they wouldn't just contract brew Billy Beer. Yeah. <laughs> just put anything into and wrap it in a Billy Beer can. You're going to sell. You're going to push a, a number of units, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the uh, packaging is iconic. The name is iconic. Um, maybe, you know, Jimmy Carter is probably not much longer for this world. So w- what could possibly be more respectful than doing that as a... <laughs> As a, <laughs> I was pouring one out for the yes. president. Uh, someone get on that. We know we've got some listeners who work at breweries. I mean, someone sent us like a Rousdauer beer a couple years ago from a, oh yeah Pennsylvania yeah, yeah. brewery. So yeah, yeah. maybe get on that. Uh, all right, so they have these new powers, which we're just we're obviously we're just learning as they go. They can operate elevators and all that. This is uh, I think I'm quoting Cad Pig here. And that's what's wrong. Nothing's happened, and I can't find out what's going to happen. This morning, everything was exciting, learning to swoosh, finding I could send my thoughts everywhere and tell dogs what to do. But now I wish I hadn't told them. Thousands and thousands have come to London, and I don't know what to do with them. (laughs) If you had terrifying new powers, would that be, like, exciting? I'm I'm just not sure. Right. Like, would you just, like, suddenly you woke up one day... And you, I mean, there's a million shows like this, right? Where you can suddenly fly or something. Would you be like, oh, that was fun? Or would you be like, what in the name of hell is going on? Yeah, my heart's going to explode based on whatever's happening here. My entire worldview is upside down. I know nothing. My theology, my everything, my thoughts about history. Am I myself? Like, right. I'd be questioning my own... Yeah, it's am, this, am I me? You think Instead, about how she's like it was fun for a couple hours. <laughs> well, it is like it's like one of those people who win a billion dollars in the lottery and it ruins their life type of thing. But uh, in a probably a more a real and immediate sense, um, it's the same way that you would people. Uh, you know, we've seen people encounter aliens in the movies all the time, but that probably wouldn't go well if that actually happened on Earth. That would upend a lot of. Uh, things we take for given and i think that uh, it might resemble that dark web sketch within 24 hours you might have right. things burning in the streets uh the the very first uh story i ever read a think piece about the um lottery winners by the way mm-hmm. started with a very funny thing about i mean grimly funny obviously but a uh the writer approaching a shack like in the middle of nowhere and hearing the shotgun being racked I'm like, who are you? Are you here because of my brother? It's like, no, I just want to interview you. The guy who won the $2 billion lottery like Uh-oh. six years ago or something. <laughs> I was like, you're not here on my brother, because I'll shoot you where you stand. So it was his money or he was the brother? No, he was the one who won the money. Incredible. And his, somehow he got into something. I don't know. Anyway, that's just how it started. It was like, oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, does not go well for lottery winners uh, uh historically i'd uh, handle it fine though yeah come I'd on be, yeah <laughs> how hard could it be to get two billion dollars <laughs> uh 
the two uh, fat dogs, the boxer and Roly Poly, leave on some sort of mission that is, uh, I believe, unresolved by the end of this section. So they keep wondering what's going on here. And so they're off doing something either uh, important or comedic um, that will not be resolved by the end of this section. But oh, yes. Mrs. keeps right, worrying right. about it. Yeah, later when I saw that they were gone, I was like, wait, what? Oh, that's right. They did something. Okay. Yeah. And uh, Cad Pig has uh, organized a cabinet meeting and uh, introduces her parents, flank her at the table. So she's, you know, the, the nepotism is also happening here. But I guess they're well regarded in the dog community. But it's, uh, you know, once the prime minister's, you know, dog has already seized control, she's appointing her parents as trusted advisors. Other dogs have to be a little uneasy about this. But everyone sort of, there, has, there isn't any rebellion, I don't think. Not an open rebellion, but yes, I would be, you know, I assume some of them are wearing collars. I'd be tugging at my collar, like, <laughs> just appointed her parents as her close, oh, okay, all right, okay, let's <laughs> see where this goes. I, I, I also thought, you know, she started off her, like, uh, inaugural address to her cabinet as this. She said, I feel sure that all the dogs at this table are well-treated, and though I don't say any of you are fat, you are quite well-covered. So... Just the, you know, the St. Crispin's Day speech didn't kick off with a, a little uh, fat joke or, you know, roasting around the room type of thing. And that's a, a failing on its part, I think. That one sort of troubled me. Like, wait, uh, b- body shaming is how you open your, uh, this is the new administration? Uh, I mean, or is it supposed to just be like a Rickles kind of just, uh, you know, get them laughing to start and then move on with the eugenics? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's just, yeah. <laughs> Oh, they they're they're laughing. Not now, hit them with the uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, certain the breeds breed. are better than others. Yeah. Um, and then I just uh, you know, Pongo starts talking, and he's he's like sort of trying to just be a call voice of calm here. And he just had a, se- a sentence that I was like, just you know, tell your kids this is the sequel to 101 Dalmatians. We can swoosh, open doors, bark by thought waves. <laughs> and that's five chapters into the sequel to 101 Dalmatians. Right. <laughs> but he does emphasize that they have not heard a single dog fight. Um, you know, dogs assent to that. They bark no. Um, and every dog can hear the thoughts of the cabinet meeting. Uh, the, yeah, once again, this reminds me of, uh, this is like a Twilight Zone or something, right? We haven't, right. no one's fighting. Everyone's getting along. Yeah. No one Are, wants for thirst or food. Aren't you on board with us, <laughs> Corgi? Because Corgis are mentioned as uh, I'm Absent. assuming that's a that's a joke. Yeah. Except Corgis, said Cadpig. They're all sitting outside Buckingham Palace. Mm-hmm. Ha ha ha! I guess I guess even then the Queen was famous for her Corgis. Um, but I would just like to point out, gonna be hanging with a Corgi tomorrow, baby. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> ah, I got a Corgi <laughs> in the family. <laughs> I will hopefully see the Corgi too. You, you can will. see it. You yes. can see it splooting. Or maybe observing Tongue Out Tuesday. Oh, God. What are these terms? <laughs> Splooting is when you sit and the uh, little like uh, rear legs like stick out. Oh, yeah. that's There's a term for that? <laughs> oh, there's a term. Absolutely. Oh, oh, oh yeah. There's a term for that. <laughs> well, that's implied. The, uh, yeah, I'm sure there's a BuzzFeed like 23 iconic corgi splutes. Wow. I do not like that name. <laughs> Well, you tell Groucho that tomorrow and see how they respond. Okay. Uh, Pongo uh, goes into a interesting tactic because he's sort of asked to like, what should we do? And this is something that I was not familiar with 
I think you found the actual person behind it. But it says, I remember once hearing of a famous prime minister who lived in this house who was always telling people to wait and see. And that is what I say to you, oh, dogs of England. Don't worry about what's going to happen. Wait and see. This provoked enormous enthusiasm. I, I mean, I guess he was popular. What, what was his name? Al, I'm sorry to, to the Britons out there, the uh, Altheus or something like that. I don't know. Prime Minister for a Asquith? long time. Asquith? Asquith. H.H. Asquith. Herbert Henry Asquith. Emphasis on the ass. <laughs> he was uh, in office yes. from 1908 to 1916, so like oversaw like World War I breakout. There you go. Okay. And is that what he was saying? Like World War I? Just like, wait and see, folks. I think you're going to like this. <laughs> I think in the end, you're going to say, great war? No, the best war. You're <laughs> going to love this thing. In fact, I'd be shocked if another one happened in my lifetime. <laughs> but hey, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Uh, you like how things are going in Belgium? <laughs> I think you're going to like how things go in France. This is going to be great. Where wait is the Archduke Franz Ferdinand going to have lunch today? I guess we'll have to wait and... Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. Uh, but Pongo speaks, and um, he begins like this. Uh, Lady dogs and gentlemen dogs, mm. he began. Mm. And I... Uh, I just thought that like Jay Leno thought that all <laughs> all government. I, you know, I I just think they should stand up there and go, uh, lady dogs and uh, and gentlemen dogs. You know, that's uh, that's what government is to me. That's uh, anyway those clowns in Congress, yeah, those clown dogs in Parliament. <laughs> just a bunch of uh, they could barely get their paws together. You know what I mean? They can't run an elevator. That's what I'm saying. Oh, Jay Leno during material about dogs taking over Parliament might go a little something like this. Hang on, let me pull my sleeves up, back up against this brick wall. Here we go. <laughs> There's been like, uh, you know, I feel like if this was written, you know, by a cozy mystery author, the dogs, that stuff like that would be coming a lot faster and more furious. The dog puns and, and uh, oh, yeah, like that. So, yeah, I guess, you know, if you think alternate universe version of this book. There's admirable restraint by the author to not do that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, I, sometimes I, when you come across a pun or something stupid and you roll your eyes, you're like, wait a minute, this could be a lot worse. <laughs> well, um, the dogs embrace the message of wait and see. They start, like, chanting it, right? They start chanting it by thought. So that's yes. uh, very interesting. And then Pongo barks, but let us wait and see quietly. And the cheering died down. Yes. <laughs> and then he goes on to think, uh, he was thankful he could now hear himself, but he was also worried how obedient the dogs were. And they were obedient to him. What a responsibility. <laughs> I, I, I had that note and just said, well, that's what a growing dictator does <laughs> think. <laughs> Yeah, maybe I should have given it a more uh, a, a better message, like you know, go uh, you know, put put on an addition to my doghouse back in uh, Hell Hall. That's what right. everyone should be doing. That's what my, <laughs> my message. All right, uh, enough wait and see. Do do manual labor for Pongo. Do manual labor for Pongo. It's not catching on the same way. Hmm. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Less enthusiastic chanting that one. Uh, in Animal House, what are they? There's the commandments, right? The yep. uh, Four they, legs good. Yeah, they keep crossing them out or changing them or whatever. This <laughs> remind me of, but it doesn't really. It doesn't embrace that, does it? I, We're supposed to like Cad Pig. 
but general cat i mean you know the emperor cat i don't think that we're like putting in you know we're implying a bit of this but uh, in light of what you'd be reading it as in you know 1960 something when they're you know still wrapping up some of these nuremberg trials and stuff you'd probably uh have this be i I don't think it'd be something you forget that quickly i i I hope not always remember (laughs) um but all right so now we come to this is a uh this is a hard moment for me. I, I have to, uh, I have to chastise all of England for this. We talked about this off air. It's a, uh, okay. it's a word. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a, I'm a huge Anglophile. I, there, there's nothing, you know, British that I don't love and embrace. But uh, there, there's a slang word used in here. It's only used once in the entire book. Yeah. It took some work to actually figure out what the hell it meant. Yep. But here it is. I'll read it. it. Typo. Yeah, I thought it was a typo too. Right, you are, Cad Pig, said the boxer. Come on, roly poly old man. We'll go and have a chat with the Continong. C O N T I N O N G. Continong. Don't don't care for that. Don't care for it. Look it up. It's a slang term to mock foreigners. Saying the word continent? Yeah, it was described as humorous in the, de- humorous. In the definition. So. <laughs> I, I, I reject everything. I now hate Shakespeare. I hate Chesterton. I hate Lewis. Mm-hmm. I hate uh, Faulty Tower. Everything clash, I love yes. that was British, I'm done. Yes, the clash. Everything. You, you ruined it with that. It's, it's deeply unfortunate, and especially if it's supposed to be a little uh, exhale through the nose joke there uh, in the middle of this text. And I, it, what? But can you even? I'm trying to form the word in my mind as a way a foreigner might sound to a British person. Yeah, and I can't. I don't. I, I can't even get close to it. I assumed it was a foreign American person, since that's what they're talking about, right? Or were they talking about Europe? Oh no, I guess eh, I don't know. I guess they said. I oh no, she says we've talked to lots of European countries, so let's go and have a chance with the Continental. Yeah, I, I don't. Know. Oh boy, boy, oh boy. You know, it's it's. I guess to give it a lot of credit, the most credit that I can is, you know how the uh, animal noises in other languages? Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? The cat says, poo-poo, poo-poo, you know. <laughs> or even Wait, laughing what? in uh, Spanish is ja, 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 ja. Okay. So I guess I'll, I'll give it that, but, but it's the same language. We're speaking English. <laughs> True, yes. So I don't even understand it. Well, it's Like if speak... I go to Japan and a cat goes blong blong, I'm like, all right, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that might still give you pause. But yeah, I, <laughs> sure. I think it's like Yanny and Laurel, you know. You just, as, maybe if you just, uh, someone says you hear that, that's how you start to hear it, if that's uh, how they're pronouncing that. I, I guess well, I, there's there's a lot to make fun of in the American accent, so I'm not you know I'm not excusing ourselves. I'm just saying I don't I just don't get it. Yeah, and I the anything designated as humorous is probably not going to be uh, <laughs> slapping your knee at the uh, oh they hit him with the continent. That we do sound like that. Oh, they got oh, us, man. You got they me. got us. Do the way we Ooh. dance next. Um, uh, but yeah, so that ends with uh, them being Pongo and Mrs. being summoned because. A sheepdog is calling from the country with astounding news. Oh, this is after um, the two dogs galumph away. Oh, boy. That came right after Continong. So, anyway, I'm just, just throwing that out there. <laughs> Galumphed. Yeah, those are the two uh, chubby dogs who are, I guess, nowadays, they've gone off on whatever their quest is. 
when's the last time you used the word galumph or, oh, or heard it? I, I, someone saw me like uh, running on the bike path the other day and said that, and uh, it's, it's haunted me ever since. Ever sure. Since they've roasted me. They called me a galumpher. Stop galumphing in our path. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Devastating. Hurts. Uh, no, chapter six is called News from the Country. And it starts with a uh, uh, address from the general who we met a couple chapters ago. He oh, is, yes, he is the uh, the sheepdog that I think they left with a um, uh, some. They left someone with him, but he has uh, informed them that the cats back at Hell Hall are waking up, and which, which worries Pongo. He says that uh, many cats were unfriendly to dogs, and he foresaw clashes. <laughs> so I thought, I thought that might be an uh, instance where they knew they had to strike first, you know, kill them while they sleep. And, but unfortunately, it doesn't develop in that way. But uh, one, one death is a tragedy. A million deaths is a statistic. They're already to that. <laughs> but they are, turns out, it's just the ones at Hell Hall. And not only is it the cats who are waking up, but young Tommy is waking up. He says, uh, Tommy, then the emergency's over. All the humans will be waking. Oh, no, they won't, said the general, <laughs> which sounded menacing, but it turns out not to be menacing. It's just that Tommy has a loophole explained uh, that explains why he can wake up and not other people. I, is- uh, I have this written down here. Can I read it? In the- Here's the voice that I heard it in. Sure. It's like, I can't do a bong sound, but just pretend that I okay. just took a giant hit. Uh, no, it came to me in a flash. Well, I... Actually, it came to Mrs. Willow first, but I wasn't far behind. Do you, do you remember soon after you settled in Hell Hall, we made Mrs. Willow and the white cat honorary dogs? <laughs> you remember, dude, what? I see your face. What? You remember that. Oh, 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 oh yeah. And oh. Tommy, he and I could still talk each other's language then. Is it kind of dog human? He's- you speak dog human? I guess. Remember that with Tommy and the, the white? Well, he asked if he could be one too. So he and, and Mrs. Willow and the white cat are, well, they're sort of like half dogs? Wait, so they're half dogs and half... Yeah, because remember with Tommy? Oh, oh, oh. dude, just... So wait, wait, what if you think that you think that speaking dog human is the same as speaking human dog? I don't. Oh, dude. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) So if. Oh, yeah. What? Anyway, I can hear Tommy. Yeah, and that is not the only time that this uh, book has started to sound a lot like that. <laughs> There's stuff coming later. So, yeah, essentially they say that they deemed these cats honorary dogs and Tommy an honorary dog. And so by this uh, by this designation that, you know, I guess they, they said to themselves or like, you know, you say that like you would say that in high school being like, oh, that chick's really cool. She's like an honorary guy, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. but like, so they, they said that to themselves and now it has, it has actually affected the, uh, the, the reality of the realm. Which we still don't know where, obviously we don't know where this is coming from. What is the, uh, theosophy here? What's, what's happening? We don't mm-hmm. know. So, but in this universe somehow, because they once called him an honorary dog. <laughs> Tommy is a dog human. A yeah. kind of dog human. Yeah, so he's a dog boy. He's he's <laughs> you know, he's growing growing fur on his face and 
being exhibited in a traveling circus type of thing. I guess it's it's a Disney movie. Oh boy! <laughs> this it, I, I wrote it down later because it just this stuff kept happening. But it's essentially the they are, they play by Calvin Ball rules, where like you know you just make up the rules on the spot. They become you know whatever nonsense you say becomes official uh, just by thinking it essentially. Um, Calvin Ball was the game that Calvin and Hobbes would play, but it was like, oh wait, you didn't you didn't touch the infinity <laughs> right. wicket. Now you've got to hop everywhere until someone says a rhyme. It's like, all right, yes. like, they're half honorary dogs, so now they can wake up, uh, beat the curse. I don't know why they didn't wake up initially from the curse, but they're they're, they're here now, and we're everyone always accepts these Calvin Ball rules as you go forward. It's like, oh, we can think about the doors, uh, and then they open. So now we do that all the time. Yeah, I guess it's. Um... Maybe he didn't wake up because he's only a half dog. It took half the time. Um, it took a. But if a, you declare someone an honorary dog, they're not. I, I don't know. Could anyway. you retroactively do it? You know, like uh, you know, canonizing someone after their death. They couldn't de- declare the Deerleys half dogs right now and have them wake up and have them help them. And also, doesn't this uh, brings up an old joke, right? If you declare me a dog, can I lick my own seventies you know, <laughs> <laughs> comic? Uh... Yeah, Tommy gets right to it. But yeah, I, I assumed Tommy would be, you know, uh, weeping and, and terrified and you know begging for his parents. But it says he's full of bright ideas. He's, he's really <laughs> he's excited ready to, go. to join you. Yeah, he's he's got the run of the place. Can watch TV whenever he wants. Wakes up, does a couple of like you know, does the the uh, TV stretch and like uh, <laughs> every human's asleep except me because I'm an honorary dog and we can whoosh now. Yeah, sounds good. Let's get going. Cut to him bouncing on the bed, eating ice cream out of the container. <laughs> Any questions? I no, made my I'm family good. disappear. Uh, yes. And so yeah, they essentially say that he's going to drive out a tractor. To London, which reminded me of the uh, David Lynch movie, The Straight Story. Oh, I love that movie. Great movie. <laughs> uh, but they uh, say that uh, he actually can't, you know, you can't do that because it's a tractor. It would take forever. It's a week, they say, I think, to reach London from yes. there. But they've, uh, like, juiced it up, and the tractor's never moved so fast in his life because they've worked out a whooshing technique um, to, to help whoosh the tractor into um, into London. Yeah, the question, of course, that comes to mind is, why did you need the tractor? <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, I, a, a wagon, a piece of plywood, I, I don't know. It just seems, I don't know, is wishing more difficult with heavier objects? Um, uh, this is all metaphysical, so it's all just, you know, like how many angels on the head of a pin kind of stuff, right? Right, and they, you know, they essentially what they do is they, they push the tractor by whooshing, so I don't know if you could just, you know, you couldn't have him riding on the... Uh... On the dogs, I you'd think he'd be might be able to make some half measured whooshing too as a half dog. Yeah, he should be able to half whoosh. Yeah, yeah. to whoosh you got to think like a dog. Yeah, lift your uh, right tire, front tire there, Tommy. <laughs> I'm not going to whoosh it for you, uh, but they really the author that is leans into the terms. It's become a hover tractor," said Mrs. How very yeah. metaphysical. Like, yeah, oh, stop it. Just stop. <laughs> Easy now. Yes. Uh, so yeah, there were hovercraft though, like uh, in this. Uh, that was something that uh, existed in this time. I don't know. It also made me think of you know like tractor beams and stuff. So a hover tractor. I don't know. Yeah, the that word, might be coming up tractor. later too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like so the, where, where they have that realization that the, the tractor shows up after they go to the zoo, and they were sort of like upset about uh, 
um, whether like the other animals are going to be up. She, Missy, Mrs. was super nervous about the wolves being there, but um, she uh, was relieved to say that they were not awake because half dogs they might be, but they were not honorary half dogs. So perhaps that made all the difference. So just another Calvin ball parsing of the whole uh, of the rules that, you know, she's laying out as she makes them up as she goes. But who's designating the term? Because they designated it on Tommy, right? Yeah. So he's a half dog. <laughs> he's a teen wolf. No, teen wolf would be only one quarter. No, he wouldn't even be. No, ah, I couldn't, couldn't play basketball if you were a teen wolf. <laughs> Uh, I don't. I, that's what I mean. Like, who's designating them? Oh, they're not. We have not said. But if they said, I, uh, wolves are half dogs. Like, if one dog goes rogue and goes, "Hey, you're an honorary dog," and then all the wolves would be like, "Oh," and they wake up and yeah, you know, right. It seems like yeah, if there was an evil dog like you know Scar and the Lion King, he could recruit them to his side pretty quickly. Sure. <laughs> this uh, this uh, you know. Panzer tank is a half dog too. Now I control that. It is sentient. <laughs> and it's aimed right at cad pig. Uh, there's a good uh, picture of them at the zoo. Uh, one of the dogs, it appears to be, I'm not sure which one it is. There's one sort of like loose cannon dog. I forget what it is, but he's, uh, he's doing another um, salute in the picture. It appears. And oh not, yes. Not, yeah, not for the last time. Will we see that driven? Um, he's and, in the peng- penguin. Uh, yeah. The penguin catch. enclosure. Yeah. Penguins, are, oh, they are sleeping. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and the other thing is, is that there's a, uh, uh, one of the cats has sent a uh, message to Mrs. that she wants to meet them somewhere in town. And Mrs. has a, a vague fear about where she is, wants to meet them, but she keeps this to herself. Um, it turns out, of course, that's going to be meeting at uh, Cruella DeVille's house. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, they try to go back to their old uh, like apartment they lived in, like they're you know like going back to the place you lived in in college to check it out, but it won't let them in because, and they determined the doors won't open because we don't need to go in. So again, they intuit this thing that turns out to be correctly right off the bat. Um, it's like a you know an area in a video game being locked if you're not if it's not the time to access it now. Right. Uh, yeah. You ha- you have to get the code first or something yes yeah. uh yeah there's a lot going on here then uh so the tabby cat says then she must be stopped i'm uh, cruella i think i don't like the world without humans we must get into her house and well frighten her said the white cat and she meant much more than she said yeah what's what is going on there i mean the word frighten, frighten her is italicized there so meaning like stab her through the heart but she is the devil so how do you i don't know how do you kill the devil uh that's a good question i don't know if they have stakes or um you know you have to you know cut the head off and bury it type of thing like right. but they say that mrs says i guess you'd suspect her and so do i i'm sure she's causing this mysterious sleeping so that's quite a leap like i don't think anyone had speculated that before it is quite a leap especially since you're you're dogs who've lived in one location. So, you know, like when all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail kind of a thing. Like, right. Let's see. Who could be responsible for this? Uh, let's see. I know six humans. One of them's one, Cruella One Deville. of them tried to skin my babies. <laughs> so know. it's her but then, causing an apocalypse. In the other side of that coin, it's like, oh, like we need someone to defeat the devil. Like, uh, 
Uh, oh, I bet that that, uh, that guy who runs a coffee shop that I stop in and he comes out and gives me a treat, that must be God. <laughs> right. So let's go recruit him. Like, <laughs> he's the nicest, <laughs> kindest, gentlest guy I know. So he's clearly the, uh, the uh, guy behind it all. Uh, it's Plato's cave for dogs. They, uh, <laughs> oh, we see the shadows. Those are real things. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Mrs. Says, uh, she, she intuits that uh, she meant much more. She said, Mrs. had always thought it was wrong for any dog or cat to hurt a human, but she was highly in favor of frightening Cruella. Um, <laughs> so that's, uh, you know, she, Mrs. knew what she meant, um, that she thought it was wrong to, to, to hurt someone. But uh, <laughs> but But frightening... And she meant a lot more. They, um, they, the uh, the dog that I was I thought it was before was the Staffordshire. Yes, the Staffordshire. Staffordshire is uh, that how you pronounce I'm it? Not like sure. Worcestershire. I've never heard of this breed of dog. Uh, I don't know what I'm supposed to be getting here, but swooshing toward them at a tremendous speed and barking loudly was a Staffordshire Terrier. He pulled up when he reached them, but even so, knocked several dogs down. <laughs> so I'm assuming this is uh, like a tremendous dig on staffordshire terriers i think it's just that they're aggressive it looks to be sort of like it looks resembles a pit bull almost oh okay so i mean and he's the guy that says i was pretty rough with my humans before i found out they couldn't wake up (laughs) (laughs) i slapped him around a bit but then (laughs) he just listen you (laughs) oh they don't need to eat i was gonna say like where the hell is the food oh i don't need to eat never mind (laughs) but he he has uh he lived with two removal men who gave him like Nick Nolte nicknames. They call him the Canine Cannonball and Self Launched Bomb. <laughs> hey there, Canine Cannonball. <laughs> How's it going there? Ah, what time is it? Oh God, it's afternoon. Why am I just getting up now, Cannonball? Mister Nolte, you're awake too. Like I thought you were asleep. Nah, sometimes I just fall asleep like that. I get the did a little I'm... bit of the star twilight barking myself last night. I'm an honorary half dog. <laughs> and uh, the, so the the escalation once that guy pops up, he says, uh, "You think it has anything to do with Cruella?" And the cat says, "I do, and we ought to attack her." <laughs> so it's, <laughs> it's rapidly escalating. And now that this guy's here, I think the cat the cat sees like a like minded ally here who's going to be on board with uh, with ratcheting this up pretty quickly. I uh, there's actually a line here that made me uh, now. I'm I'm into this book up till this point. I was like, what is going on? You know, scratching my head a lot, but now I'm on board. Uh, the cats were capable of dangerous clawing. As for the Jack Russell, he was barking fiercely. Forward to kill Cruella DeVille. <laughs> okay, we're not frightening anymore. This is made very explicit. Incredible. This is amazing. Like, all right. So now we we've now we got a story. We went from old appeasement Pongo being like wait and see, and he <laughs> peace, very, peace in our time. He yes. leaves. Uh, he leaves Cad Pig for like twenty minutes, and then the dog mob is barking towards uh, Cruella's house with the explicit uh, plan to kill her. It's amazing. <laughs> and they have a boy. They have Tommy's with her, and I guess he's he, they can sort of read his thoughts. So he's just like. All right, my parents are asleep. I just got whooshed into London on a tractor, and we're going to go kill someone. <laughs> All right, this is going to be a uh, my what I did on summer vacation essay. Tommy, what's what's your deal? Well, I'm Anglican. Uh, how how are they on killing a sleeping person? Ah, eh, I don't know. It seems good. <laughs> Everyone's asleep. This is like the purge, baby. 
<laughs> Different rules. <laughs> yeah, the dogs made me do it. It's going to be like a, a Son of Sam style defense. Oh, yes. Wow, yeah. Oh, I forgot about that connection. <laughs> yeah, because they're not going to be like, you know, Tommy, here's the problem. We can't hold a knife. Our paws are very, <laughs> our paws are not opposable. And uh, so you're going to need to do this. Uh, but it's fine. Cadpig said it was okay. Tommy, we need you to go to the Tate LaBianca house. And, uh... <laughs> well, you don't want to have your honorary half dog status revoked, do you, Tommy? That would mean uh, you'd go right back to sleep and who knows for how long. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Oh, it is dark. I'm sorry. It's a dark. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, they say we're going to kill Cruella DeVille. Yeah, it's good. And then, so this makes a bit more sense now. Uh, they get to the house and I like, look in the window and it says like, uh, I can see the giant pepper grinder she always used at meals. And so I, I, I was like, that's, I didn't understand that that was her thing at this time. But she's, she's got a, a, a huge, you know, the one they come around with at Italian restaurants uh, to like put fresh pepper on your thing. Um, but it makes more sense if the person who wrote in saying that her meals always involved a lot of pepper. Yes, yes. I, I puzzled over that as well. I thought it was just a, uh, which I guess the origin of it is, is like, you know, um, you're a mean one, Mr. Grinch, you know. Like, right, yeah. You you eat pepper for breakfast. <laughs> you eat rotten stuff for lunch. Cruella yeah. de Vil. It does. It gets into some, it, it's a very like Grinchy or like rolled doll style morality where the villains in his books are always these you know gross caricatures of people who eat you know sardines straight out of a can and have you know blue cheese stuck in their beers and stuff so <laughs> the morality is doled out pretty not, it, it, not subtly i was there for the sardines i, I left you at the blue cheese it's the one <laughs> item in, on earth i really can't eat wow so at yeah. O'Brien's, when the, you would order the brewer's plate, it would just come with like two enormous hunks of blue cheese. It was always... If blue back. cheese has touched anything, uh, I cannot... Wow. Yeah. It's 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 a weird thing. I don't know why. I don't know why. Well, I mean, rotted fish. I, I'll eat anything, but... Uh, will and have. Yes. But, but blue <laughs> cheese. Uh, anyway. That's, all that's right. the end of that chapter that says there's... Pongo sort of has his paws crossed... That, like, the doors won't open like it did at their old house because if they don't need to, they won't. But the doors open to invite them in, and so in they all went. Right. Uh, Want to do some fanfic before the next section? Let's do it! Let's do it. All right, so this is real or fanfic, the exciting part of our broadcast here, where we will read five passages that are either fanfic written by our loyal listeners or real passages from later in the Starlight Barking. And they can be uh, you know, any combination of the two of those things. Uh, a lot of those people are obviously our Patreon supporters who are getting this episode a week early and who are beneficials, beneficiaries of other fun stuff that we do on there. Exclusive stuff you can't get anywhere else, like the mystery of the skunk ape that we solved in the mm-hmm. last week. There's also so, which some people didn't want to give me credit for. <laughs> which is fair enough it was yeah actually it's it's a it's a weird world of of assigning deciding who is correct in these encyclopedia brown scenarios because a lot of them are so insane that it's impossible to get them exactly as the author intended yes but um yeah check that out we appreciate everyone who kicks in uh, to support the podcast uh this one is uh number one let's see Cadpig paced up and down the halls of the National Picture Gallery. 
she had a big decision to make. All the dogs of England, not to mention Scotland and Wales, were looking to her and her parents to come up with the answer to Sirius's proposal. Some dogs just want to be led indeed, she thought to herself. What a day's triumph for mindless collectivism. She did not say it out loud, of course. That would have been a very unbecoming thing for the first dog prime minister of England to say. But given how thoughts had a habit of traveling these days, it would not surprise her at all if the dogs outside had heard every word. No matter, there was simply no time to worry about trifles like that. She, Pongo, and Mrs. had a big decision lying before them. Before she could make that decision, she would have to decide how she felt about it. She thought that she would like very much to go with Sirius to explore space and see all its wonderful stars. She suspected that most dogs would share her sentiments. But then she thought of the Prime Minister and how he would be lost without her. The dear, dear fellow was always so sad, so worn out from being bullied, especially on days he had to go take questions in the House of Commons. And besides, he couldn't come up with a shred of sound fiscal policy to save his soul. That poor, poor man. Cadpick knew in her heart that she could not leave him. But she also felt she could not let down the whole of dogdom by turning Sirius down. She sighed to herself as she looked up at the dark portrait of some forgotten king. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. She, she barked quietly. Wow. All right. Boy, this is tricky. Uh, what was the co collectivism? Uh, what a day's triumph for mindless collectivism. Oh, boy. <laughs> Oh, this is so, so tempting. Ah, caution to the wind. I'm going to say it's real. Wow. That, that, and I'm going to say that's why someone pulled it out. To, uh... <laughs> People are good about that sort of thing. Yeah. Right. Uh, number two. It was at that moment that he heard a dog barking. Pongo, where are you? In the entrance hall below. Surely he knew that booming bark. He barked back, here, sir, up the stairs. And a couple of seconds later, into the gallery at full tilt came the Great Dane from over toward Hampstead. And not only the Great Dane, riding on his back was a tiny creature. A white kitten? No, more like a white puppy. But somehow it looked too grown to be a puppy. Sorry, it, it looked too grown up to be a puppy. Could it be a miniature dog? How splendid that you managed to get here, sir, said Pongo. And the sheepdog, a general recognizing another general, rose wagging his tail. Talk of... Talk about squooshing, said the, swooshing, said the Great Dane. Part of the time I seem to fly. That's the high swoosh, said Missus. I discovered it. Well, it took me by surprise, and my little friend nearly fell off. By the way, don't mistake him for a puppy. He's full grown and three years old. A chihuahua. Ridiculous name for a breed, but he can't help that, can you, Sam? He's my very good friend. Sleeps in my bed and acts as a hot water bottle. Well, Pongo and Missus, we meet at last face to face. And I know who you are. He wagged his tail at the sheepdog. We've often sent messages to each other over the twilight barking. And we will again when this emergency comes to an end. Oh, man. These are devious. Because that seems like it could be, could be real as well. But I don't know. Did you say it's Chihuahua, right? Chihuahua, the Sam. Yeah. Seems like someone's trying to tempt us. <laughs> Oh, Beverly Hills Chihuahua. Uh, <laughs> I'll say fanfic. Okay. Sounded reserved. Uh, number three. Pongo understood all right. Long ago, he had heard Mr. Dearly say something about some saint who had been all things to all men. Well, Sirius was all things to all dogs. Or to be precise, he was all dogs to all dogs. Was that a good thing to be? 
Pongo supposed it must be, if it was something a saint had been, and it certainly proved how wonderful Sirius was. The vision of dogs was fading now, and the star was back in all its dazzling brilliance, and from it came the voice of Sirius, sounding very gentle and very coaxing. Well, now you have seen why I understand you all so well, and you can remember the bliss I gave you. Wouldn't you like to feel that bliss again? Oh, yes, please, barked many dogs. But some of you aren't sure, said Sirius. Mrs. said, I'm quite sure I'd like to have some more nice bliss, but not if it would mean coming with you. I couldn't bear to leave Mr. and Mrs. Dearly. Hmm. A little bit of, I like your voice, by the way. Thank you. The serious. Blissful dog star. Little, uh, little Jim Jones mixed in there, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh, this is so hard. All right. I don't know. I'll say fanfic. Okay. Let's see. Number four. Cruella, gasped Mrs. No, sweet pup, she said, emerging from the shadows. She spoke in Cruella's voice. And the prime ministers and Mr. Dealey's and Mrs. Dealey's and the voices of countless other people they had known or heard. Not the one you call Cruella, at least not entirely. As Cruella crept into the light, they saw she had one eye completely white and one eye completely black, opposite to her hair. What do you want from us? Pongo growled. The Cruella being hissed. Hush! And Pongo quieted immediately against his own will. This vessel, she purred, so easy to enter those devoid of souls. Are you here to kill us? whispered Cadpig, tears flowing from her eyes. Do it quickly, but spare our humans. We shan't put up a fight. Kill you? She laughed the most frightening laugh. No, my dear Cadpig, I am here to save you. Oh, wow. Well, I don't know. I'll say real. I'll oh. take a flyer. Okay. All right. Uh, number five. Last one. Behind the glass, they saw the lifeless body of Leica. She wore a brown leather harness over her shoulders and chest with straps which reached around her back legs. A dozen or so shiny wires were woven through the harness and lay draped over her back. Like the Dalmatians, her coloring was black and white, but she had no spots. It was her face and ears that were black with a lovely white stripe right up the middle. The rest of her fur, from what they could see, was white. The Jack Russell thought she might have been the most beautiful dog he had ever seen. Pongo began to remember a story he had heard Mrs. Dearly read to little Tommy when he had spent a Saturday night at Hell Hall. It was about a beautiful human girl who was put into a magical trance and slept for many years until a handsome prince came to wake her with his kiss. But not even Sirius himself could wake, wake Laika from her sleep. Mrs. sensed her husband's thoughts and said, This is the first sadness I felt since we came aboard the spaceship. To see her there reminds me of Mrs. Dearly dreaming in her bed back on Earth. Oh, I do miss her so much now. Pongo rested his chin on his wife's forehead, and she nuzzled close to him for comfort. It was the humans who put sweet Laika into that rocket ten years ago, said Sirius in his booming but musical voice, now striking tones of profound sadness. She was spent into space all alone. She was scared, and she called out for help, but only I could hear her. Wait, so Laika, the Russian dog in space? Yes. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> Who, uh, yeah, the first... Uh... 
Ah, not the not the camera. Um, okay. Huh. Boy, that is again. These are all incredibly devious. You agree? You agree? <laughs> well, it's, it's, what would you roll out for the back third of this book? It's absolutely bonkers. That's what I'm saying. I, I that's why it's devious. Um, uh, Sirius, the dog star does appear. Is the mission to send them to space to rescue life? <laughs> I I can't I can't quite go there. Okay. I'm going to say that's fanfic. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, let's see how we did here. Uh, number one uh, was uh, Cad picking the portrait gallery, thinking about mindless collectivism. Uh, you said real for that. That was unfortunately fanfic written by Matthew. Mm. I think he up he. He found something he, that would... He leaned into the... Yes, yeah. yes. You know my fascination with <laughs> Eastern fascism. And yes, okay. Fair enough. Uh, number two. Number two was the uh, big, great uh, sheepdog general coming in. Oh, no. Sorry. A Great Dane with a chihuahua on his back. The chihuahua sleeps in his bed with him. He, you said fanfic for that. That is real from later in the book. Come on. Submitted by Waka. Uh. <laughs> so we got some chihuahuas what can make you move what can make you groove over two so far number three this was uh the oh the uh the serious giving them bliss and they want to feel the bliss yeah um, uh, you said fanfic for that that is real come on <laughs> by, submitted by hayden so we've got the uh jim jones doling out the bliss uh, over three so far, unfortunately. Oh, this is brutal. Number four. This I've already snapped my bat over my <laughs> over my thigh. At this rigged. Point. It's been rigged. Number four was uh, Cruella inhabiting a vessel, and uh, he's here to save them. Uh, you said real for that. That is fanfic written by Harris. Come, am I going over? I'm going over five. Uh, and then number Holy five. Holy smokes. Number five was going into space to find the dead Russian space dog, Leica. Leica, whatever. You said fanfic for that. And yes, that was a bridge too far. That was fanfic written by Chap. So one for five redeemed with a little uh, uh, squib single into no, no, between it was short the, and center at the it, last it wasn't bat. even you know the nub on my bat and the uh, the guys a the, bunt single the umps coming out to look at it a swinging bunt that's what it was <laughs> uh, just like dribbles in front and the catcher like slides and he can barely get it you're to on first, first waiting safe. to see if the official score is going to rule it an error yeah. <laughs> it's a hit well they may change that one later but, well, I mean, it's tricky. Oh, that is, come on. I mean, people, you have to be sympathetic, right? I'm sure they are. I'm, we'll see how people... It's like, it, it's like Gladiator and suddenly they release two tigers. Like, come on. <laughs> they were buried underground. I didn't know they were there. Who would have thought this would be the trickiest book? It's very tricky because the prose is, you know, sort of plain and straightforward, except with insane shit happening. <laughs> Well, I look forward to where it goes. We got uh, dog stars doling out bliss, and uh, <laughs> we got uh, Beverly Hills Chihuahuas. Uh-huh. This is going to be nuts. Um, anyway, let's move on to uh, chapter seven, which has more nuts stuff that I mean has to pay off because this is when they go into Corella's house. So. Oh, this is bananas! Yeah. I, I, this was good. This is good. Well, so what I was saying about Roald Dahl is that the cat looks around the kitchen and says, "Dirty as ever." <laughs> 
<laughs> so Cruella's like a hoarder. Yeah. Uh, speak, speaking of uh, John uh, Wilson. Oh, my uh, God, yeah. Hey, the, his apartment building got sold. Yeah, I never watched was, the hoarder shows, but like... There was someone living in the basement who was a hoarder. Uh, it's like, you know, my, my late uncle who bequeathed yep. me a house with uh, buckets of frozen poop in it. It's incredible um, <laughs> to see it just as a... That's what cruel... The devil? <laughs> like, you were thrown like lightning from heaven, man. You've got to up your game. Here. Yeah, you must have some mystical... But maybe she's so evil that she likes it, you know? I like the filth. It brings I me guess. comfort. But I she's guess. also, you know, she wanted the... Dalmatian fur to make she was like an icon in the fashion industry you know she's like the devil wears Prada right yes so but you know this sort of flies in the face of that <laughs> yeah that's amazing yeah so yeah so her stinky house and this is where you get the uh let's see here it is thick layer of white pepper uh wait black pepper oh yeah this is her favorite pie recipe uh, sprinkle with a very little bit of meat. Put a thick layer of white pepper. White pepper is, you know what white pepper is? Have you ever? I chose up in, in some like Chinese recipes and stuff. I I don't know. It's what it just like. black pepper with the uh, layer pulled off of it, so ah. it's extremely expensive. <laughs> but it, uh, I don't know. It has a weird. It like takes away that sort of you know the the complexity of black pepper it has that sort of vanilla stuff. This is just like. It's just white pepper, but it's really expensive because it's so hard to, to make. Wow. And then a thick layer of horseradish, mm-hmm. which is not that hard to make, uh, and then red peppers and yeah. serve very hot. That's a pie. That's a, a, a funny pie. Did I ever tell you my, uh, my, my dad's uh, horseradish story? No, please. Okay, very quick. My dad, for years, was like... Um, he loves horseradish, right? So he's like, I gotta, I'm gonna grow some. So we move to a place where we can grow, and he grows it. It takes a while to grow, but then it's just like a it takes weed. Over, like, yeah. yeah, you can't stop it. It's like uh, bamboo or something. You have to put boxes around it to <laughs> stop it from. But he, uh, my my mom is away, and so it's just the the three boys and and my dad, and he's like, I'm gonna grind up some. We're gonna make horseradish, huh, boys? We're all like, yay. <laughs> Good. <laughs> so he grinds it up in the blender, gets a little vinegar in there, and he's like, I don't, you know what? Our soil isn't very acidic, so I don't think it's going to be very good, but here we go. And then he takes the top off the blender and he takes a deep whiff oh. of it and he passes out on the floor. <laughs> completely passes out. Bam. Like, oh my hell. God. We're like, Dad. <laughs> we water on the face revive him he's like oh shit i guess that stuff's pretty good wow it just like overwhelmed his sinuses or something he passed out it was so powerful it was like blasting him in the face with you know pepper spray or something jeez so he just went down but that that was very funny the sort of regal i don't think this is going to be very good <laughs> that's like a Gilligan's Island. Uh, I'm not going yes, in there. I'm gang. not going in there. Wow. So uh, yeah, five minutes later, he woke up. Was like, I guess that's pretty good horseradish. That's I. I 
unlike your real for fanfic, your dad continues to be like 47 for 47 in terms of stories I've heard about him. Like there, <laughs> yes. there's never one where I'm like, that's out of character for when I've heard about this man <laughs> growing his own horseradish and then passing out from him is very much on point. Yes. <laughs> I like horseradish and someone did write I in to be too, like, yes. what's it going to take to get Connor to make this pie and like, Oh yeah. Uh, settle down. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, that, that seems like just a waste of a perfectly good white pepper. Uh, the, the white pepper would bankrupt you, yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, uh, but banoffee pie and, and no further, this I say. <laughs> yes, okay. Um, so, all right, so they're wandering around Cruella's house. Yeah, sneezing because uh, of all the pepper in it. And I think that someone says, the, the Staffordshire uh, pit bull says like, uh, I, I you favor claws and I favor teeth for attacking them, and Pongo is like you're not to attack her. She can't be to blame for what's happening today. Uh, he sort of intuits that, and it becomes true. I guess. I guess so. Yes, and I I believe this came up in fan real or fanfic, uh, Mister Deville. Yeah, this was in the it, yeah. In a the, small. <laughs> what does it say about him? A small, worried-looking man. He was snoring loudly. That was the rasping sound, which had been so frightening. So they walk into the house and they hear this rasping sound. They're okay. like, oh, my God. Uh, it was certainly an odd sort of snoring, but now Pongo knew what it was, and it seemed to him more funny than frightening. So, <laughs> Mr. Magoo. So he's he's not getting a lot of respect in this thing. Like, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, yes, dear. <laughs> I mean, what is the? Is there a cartoon or a famous couple who's like that inspires what I'm thinking of in that situation? I mean, I feel like it's you know a uh, cliche that yes, the you know like a giant husband. Yeah. Yes, a giant wife with a tiny, tiny hand <laughs> husband, and they're sleeping in separate beds. Correct? It says that. I think. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, of course. <laughs> Until she tells him to come over there, that's where he. That's where he stays. Well, do they give? They don't give his name, right? That's that's a well, damn shame. Yeah, well, the people who wrote in said that in the first book he he was someone else, and he became Mister Deville, uh, her last name. Which I mean, in nineteen sixty London, that had to have been just a oh sh- true shocking humiliation and shocking. Yeah, but I mean his first name. Uh, I don't think so. Um, and I like Jerry. I, I, I thought Get over that... <laughs> here and service Cruella. <laughs> yes, dear. Wear the, wear the metal raincoat while you do it. Uh, <laughs> kids? Huh? <laughs> Cruella's uh, cocked husband? Is that uh, what you want to... <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so they, they continue... I thought there was a chance it was going to happen. Like, Pongo was saying, if Cruella had bewitched all the humans of the world, perhaps they wouldn't wake up until, well, something was done about her. And I was like, it could, like, there's a reason people recommended this book, and it could be because the dogs rip out Cruella DeVille's throat or something. And alas, it seems like it's moving away from that now. Um, well, that would have been a weird, also, then what would that have triggered other things? So I was waiting for the, you know, like, okay, so they, um, you know, like, hey, Tommy, you, you can hold the shiv, you know, like, poke it right there between ribs three and uh-huh. four you yeah. know? <laughs> and uh and then she dies and then like the you know the uh humans awake and then there's a trial and like 
Right. You know, the prime minister is like, oh, no, missus, how could you? <laughs> you have betrayed everything that the British justice system is about. <laughs> and that would be the second half of the book. <laughs> Mr. DeVille spits on Tommy outside of the courtroom. You son of a... Just tears flowing from his eyes. People, Bobby's holding him back. Oh, no, 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 no. Holding this back is with... not the way it's done. <laughs> and, uh, but unfortunately, they just wander around and she sleeps. Yeah. It's, uh, oh, man. It's a real shame. Um, what, what do they say? Oh, yeah. She, they just sort of describe her. Her mouth was grim. Her long nose seemed more pointed than ever. She was frowning heavily in her sleep. So... No doubt about what's going on uh, in terms of her character. Um, and it, this, Those I, black eyes with it, a streak of red in them? Yeah. There, there's a famous um, like animation of her like chasing them in her car at the end of 101 Dalmatians where she looks absolutely insane. So I'm guessing that's sort of uh, that's the image she's going for here. But this description, I thought it was even a sort of Jim Tysian. It was uh, it's talking about how dark and evil her apartment is. But it says, it seemed to Missus that the darkness was thick as well as black. She felt that if she opened her mouth, it would choke her. <laughs> so that's, uh... She has black eyes, <laughs> like a doll's eyes. <laughs> and then uh... she calls Pongo a slut. Um, <laughs> so. And then the... Uh... The sleeping arrangement with her husband here is half her hair turned green with shock after we destroyed her first. I suppose she's had it dyed. No ermine sheets now, has she? That was the best night of my life when I chewed them to bits. (laughs) So she and her husband, her hair is green with shock? Yeah. So that was after they clawed her furs to bits? I guess she was probably making furs and then was interested in branching out into Dalmatian fur. So that could have been like her livelihood that they tore apart to teach her a lesson. What are ermine sheets, by the way? Uh, I mean, Is ermine, ermine a... Uh, I think it's like a, a rodent, maybe? Yeah, it's a, a soft rodent, right? Yeah. Would that be a sheet? So she's... <laughs> She, yeah, she's she's gone all in on her expensive sheets, leaving the rest of her house to be filthy and hoardery. <laughs> yes. Dirty as ever. But then this is just what the hell is going on. Because it must it must have a payoff. There was a sign about it they passed in the begin in the first section, but it says Pongo then saw there were racks of plastic coats, just as there had been racks of furs. But it must be some new kind of plastic. No ordinary plastic raincoat could make the noise these coats made as the curious dogs examined them. Clank, clank. The noise got louder and louder. If the DeVilles had been wakeable, it certainly would have wakened them. And it says the, the, one of the dogs, Tommy, tries to pick one up and he says it's too heavy to hold, the sheepdog explained. The woman must be dressing herself in some kind of armor. And I just said, like, now this book seems to be getting a little weird here. <laughs> And there's a picture of, yeah, Tommy trying to, to hold up this, like, you know, it looks sort of like a, a matrixy trench coat or like a, a, a an X-Men villain, you know, Mr. Very Sister, much like, right, yes. this, like angular metal uh, trench coat. Totally looks like, yes. If you think um, the Matrix woman in the Matrix. Yeah, Trinity. Trinity uh, with a bigger collar. sort of evil yeah. collar. Yeah, that's what it looks like. <laughs> and take a look at that picture. There's a picture on the wall of a sort of like old timey guy. It looks like Napoleon almost, but he has a. If you, I didn't notice it right now. He's got a a pointy tail um, in the. Uh, in the oh, I thought that was like a some sort of weird fish hook or something. But you're right. Yeah. yeah so wow. That's her, her devilish ancestor. 
Uh, but they say about uh, uh, killing her, they go, oh, it would be like shooting a sleeping pheasant or something like that. Okay. Which made me think of my, I have a pheasant hunting story. Oh, boy. <laughs> my dad is not involved. Okay, in Dan. And I, I'll, I'll tell it very quickly. It's just very funny. I, uh, my brother-in-law, he said, we got to take your boys pheasant hunting. Okay. And we went pheasant hunting. And what they do is that like they raise these pheasants like they're wild, right? Mm-hmm. And then they take them all and put them in their little reserve. And they go, now go hunt these. So they're, <laughs> actually, so they're wild, but you buy them all the second you arrive, right? Oh, wow. So it's super expensive. And then it's like, well, then this guy has these dogs. And these these dogs are working the pheasants. And it's super cool. But anyway, I go. And both my boys, I'm, I'm a really good shot. But my boys are, uh, they're better with a, with a shotgun, right? Okay. So we do the trap shooting beforehand. And the owner of the whole ranch, it's like this huge. Where is this? Know, Minnesota? It's like way up in North Dakota. Mm-hmm. So this guy, uh, he he goes, all right, you know, now you, Dad, you shoot, pull, you know, and I miss both. Of them. <laughs> He's like, oh, what's going on here? Because it shouldn't be that hard, right? So he does it again, and I miss. He's like, um, <laughs> I don't know if you should be Hand hunting. Like a- I'm like, I'm like, I, I, I'm I'm actually a good shot. I'm fine. Let me let me do it one more time, and so I do it, and I, it's fine. He's like, okay, so you check out, right? So I go, but we're we so we get most of the pheasants, and then it's at the end. It's freezing cold, by the way, super super cold. And the the guide with his two dogs, who are like absolutely speaking of dogs, I mean these dogs are amazing. They're doing like things you can't imagine. They can tell when pheasants are buried in are they, the. Do they do like the point thing, like with? Oh, one does the point, and the other one does like a second point. Like, oh, you think you know where it is? I know where it wow. is. Better than you, and I'm going to flush it only when you say I should flush it. Then it'll flush it, and then it flies up in a little loop to try to get away from you, and you have to be careful not to shoot another person in the face. Well, like, yeah. Uh, then they'd have to apologize to you. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway, it's like these old corn rows, and this guy, the guide with the dogs, goes, "You stay, hey, Dad. You know, he doesn't know my name. You stay right here." And I'm going to flood. There's three of them. They're there. Like, they are? Like, you know that? Like, yeah, I know. So you, you you have to shoot three of them when the dogs flush them when we come down this way. Because otherwise, we can't end this hunt until you shoot these three pheasants. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. So it's all on me. Wow. It's like, yeah. It's like having to make the free throws at the end of the game. Exactly. Like, and he just assigned it to me. I'm like, ah, ah. They all go away, and then I, I hear their distant voices, and then sure enough, they flush them. And just just like chance, I shoot all three of them, bang, bang, bang. <laughs> They're down. The guy comes up, and then it's like, I have just won the Olympics. The guy's like, well, 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 look at City Boy. <laughs> you know, like, he picks him up and like attaches him to his belt and is like, I'm going to go take care of these now. Good job there, buddy. He pats me on the shoulder. I'm like... Yeah, I am the king of the universe. <laughs> and it was it was literally just like blind like <laughs> I wonder if he thought you had like sandbagged him in the beginning to uh, build up the uh, yes. ability. 
Hey, anyway. uh, I, I didn't miss, I didn't hit a single one of those uh, clay pigeons, but what do you say we put uh, $500 <laughs> exactly. on whether I can do these? <laughs> anyway, my, my brother-in-law, the lifelong hunter, is like, you know, just gives me the gentle, good good job there, buddy. Yeah, I did what you needed to do. <laughs> You're damn right I did. Oh, boy. I'm just like, oh. Yeah. Songs will be sung of this moment. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Pheasant. Uh, Pheasants and dogs. I just thought I would tell that little story. Uh, and so what does the one dog say? The, the one dog is unaware that uh, shooting a fe- sheeping pheasant was not uh, allowed or something. So it's another like little dog joke or something. I, I, I guess, you know, like, hey, should we, you know, open up her veins while she sleeps? <laughs> like, nah, nah, that's not fair. Yeah. He says, oh, yeah. So he's, they say you can't do that. And then the, the pit bull is like. You know, he hadn't had the faintest idea you mustn't shoot a sitting pheasant. So he is like the uh, the cop you have to hold. The other ones have to hold him back. Like, you know, <laughs> yes. the rogue guy who's just this wild card. He wants to. What, are we, what about the rights of that little girl? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Tommy's weeping. <laughs> Tommy. Half dog. <laughs> roof, roof. <laughs> roof, roof. Oh. And so they uh, pretty much say that, like, we need to go back to Cad Pig. Like, this wasn't, like, the, the cat had told us to come here, but it's not uh, not the, uh, she says, like, let's let sleeping devils lie, et cetera. Little dog pun. And But they're like, so why do we need to come in here? And it says, because we needed to know that we didn't need to, said Pongo. There we go. So yes. it's like a little, you know, because we needed to kill some time. Like, otherwise we would have thought that Corolla was responsible. Now we know that it's not. We can move on to what's actually the problem here. So uh, it's my, nice uh, to me of padding, but. My note on that was just like, oh, I see. But what? Huh? <laughs> it's that stoner dream logic again. Like, no, the thing is, is that you need to know that you don't need to know. Don't you see how like, beautiful that is? Like, in the universe is telling you, like. Uh, go into Cruella's house and like look around and then like think about killing her, but then you leave. But you didn't need. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I mean, I, 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 I took up with the Grinch, man. I mean, I, <laughs> what were we talking? I mean, you know, up in a, he's in a cave. Uh, I mean, he he probably parties up there. Like you know, he's he's made of green. Like you, you could smoke the Grinch. Uh, no, that's so, you're right. Wait, what? <laughs> uh, but it better not be the last we see of her because, you know, to take well, us on a journey of saying, we let, let's go kill her to then run out of the house as she's still asleep. Uh, it, it, uh, you know, that would be a, a heartbreaking blurry on a situation. I mean, is it that it could be that she's just doing, you know, that's the cameo, <laughs> which would be a pretty bad, uh, you know, like but the uh, raincoats have to have some sort of sort of payoff. Like, um, uh, I don't know, the Hangover Two or something, and then like, uh, right? Like, remember that famous guy? Remember that hilarious scene from the? There he is sleeping. Mike Tyson All pulls right, up in leave. the car next to them. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> yes. Hey, is that Mike Tyson? Yep. All right, moving on. See ya. All right, <laughs> he was in it. <laughs> you can't have a line, or else we have to pay him more. Exactly. Well, yeah, so we can hope so that's I don't not know, the case, but yeah. I, I hope that that cannot be right, especially since we need her husband who will finally go like, my name is Cosmo or whatever, <laughs> you know, whatever he'll do. Right. That's enough, dear. You've gone too far. Like, how dare you stand up to me, Cosmo? 
Get I there. don't think you've known that the entire time I've known you, I carry this pistol. <laughs> oh, my God. I was a half dog, but she was a full bitch. <laughs> I was awake the whole time. <laughs> Metal rain coach for all. <laughs> um, Lights a cigar with a hundred dollar bill. <laughs> Play some rap Dan music. Feels and good leaves. to be a gangster. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, that's what you know. That's what we hope. That should have been the fanfic. That would have been amazing. Oh, yes. Let's hope, people. Yeah. It ends with uh, uh, another very suspicious-looking illustration, um, and it says uh, Pongo was glad to see uh, that Missus was relieved, but didn't share it. He had never really believed Cruella was the enemy, but he almost wished she were. For even if she was a devil, she was the devil he knew. As things were, he felt that someone, something much more powerful than Cruella, was in charge today. And that someone, something, was still absolutely unknown. So extremely ominous. And directly below that, Pongo is uh, uh, just giving a sort of flat salute. Uh, <laughs> I, I would not have seen that. <laughs> now that, wow, that, I mean, that one is just a full out. Yeah. And I guess there's only so many ways that a dog can hold their paw, but... Uh, you know, give them the historical context. You know, you could illustrate them like crossing their paws, putting one paw over another, yeah. uh, paws behind the head. That's not without, <laughs> right? But these are all just holy moly. <laughs> oh. Yikes. All right. The final chapter is chapter eight. It's called The Voice. Um, and I think that they are on their way back to Downing Street. So it was a brief little diversion there. To, uh, to see Cruella. Um, Police dogs cleared away into Downing Street. Uh, how, how, how does that work? <laughs> yeah, really. Um, you know, do they have, uh, have they learned to hold the, uh, the billy clubs? Uh, is it, um, yeah, can they press down a pepper spray thing? With, I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> uh, but uh, the um, way that Cadpig has spent her afternoon was pretty entertaining. Cadpig's bright smile faded. She said she'd had a depressing afternoon entertaining provincial lady dogs. <laughs> Good creatures, of course, but one grows tired of feminine chatter. So she was just, uh, you know, these gossipy hens were in her uh, cabinet all day long and she was having to put up with them, which is pretty I, funny. I like the I, I also love lady dogs. Lady dogs. I was going to say to... Uh... To my wife, like if I come home early and like there's a shower or something in our house, can I just go, how's it going, lady dogs? <laughs> That's my husband. <laughs> Women be gossiping, I see. <laughs> uh, fe- what does she call it? Feminine. Uh, uh, I have it right here. Feminine chatter. Feminine chatter. How's the feminine chatter going? <laughs> Later, bitches. <laughs> what? Your dogs. Your half what? dogs, at least. Uh, Okay, so here's the thing. I've been reading this, these bad books. This is book 25. Let me take you back to uh, The Eye of Argon, and I'll get you filled in on everything. But in the meantime, they're already stabbing me with uh, <laughs> cheese knives. I deserve uh, it. Um, no, so she would sit down with uh, the prime minister at 10, 10 Downing Street, right? Yes. Uh, and they'd watch the news together. He had a glass of sherry, and I had a peppermint cream. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, sure. 
a glass of sherry. <laughs> she can't she can't read English, right? So it's not sherry. It's uh, you know scotch or something right, like that. Right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> a tumbler of scotch. And she has a peppermint cream? The dog? Is it uh is that a liqueur? It, no, it's a uh, a little chocolate cuz she offers one to Oh, got it. Got it. But uh really? I I don't know. I've always suspected. Uh, here's that... a pig's ear. Wouldn't she be happier with that? <laughs> oh, much better. Yes. Uh, yeah. Here was a bully stick. <laughs> you know what those are, don't you? Uh, yeah, I've always suspected that the dog chocolate thing is a little overblown. You know, like our dog ate a whole bowl of M and M's once. I guess that doesn't have a ton of <laughs> really? a ton of real chocolate in it. Yes. But... Thank God for fake chocolate. Yeah. But I thought that was another stoner moment too. Uh, there's a box of peppermint creams on the counter, and Mrs. stared longingly at the box. But what she longed for was the longing for a peppermint cream, not the peppermint cream itself. She was so unhungry that she could not remember what being hungry felt like. <laughs> so, yeah. That's right. Dodie Smith just uh, hits from the bong. So, I, I looked longingly at the box and I wanted one. But, you know, I, I didn't want, like, the thing no, itself. What, what you want is wanting it man and that really just sums oh. it all up you know that's sort of like that's just such a capitalistic way of looking at it you know you don't even want the thing you want to want the thing dude that is some next level buddhist bullshit man yeah I, whoa I'm, I'm really you just like, broke you just no shh quiet what? you just broke what? my mind man oh. seriously because yeah, no. I don't want the peppermint cream no I just want the wanting of the cream. I think that's what you want. You oh, want to want. Sh- you oh, want to want dude. to want it. Dude, <laughs> pass me that. Pass me that. Yeah. I wish I had some peppermint cream. That sounds pretty good. Oh, God. Let's, let's go out and get some peppermint cream. <laughs> anyway. All Sorry. right. Yes. Take a picture of the look at the author and imagine her hanging out with those two guys. <laughs> and it's a pretty fun mental image. Um, so at this point is when things... Also, continue, the weirdness continues to escalate. It's it's sort of like heightening, you know. They they take they tell you to do that in comedy. You've got to just keep heightening these things. And I think she looks for an opportunity to make every chapter just be a little bit weirder than the next one. And this one starts with uh, the turning the TV on. Wow. Yes. Uh, which they say. What does he say? Like Pongo says, like something about. It seems at a time like this, like I really want TV <laughs> or something like that. And it got me thinking about once I tried to, uh, I, this was a light pitch that I tried where I was watching, um, I was watching the uh, TV series Bosch. Okay. Are you familiar with I this? mean, I know I've seen it, you know. I, <laughs> I think it is, it is acclaimed and it's run for like four years or something, probably longer than that. And one time I was, uh. I was watching it, and and my wife came down. And she's like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> like I, I'm just sitting around. Um, I, you know, I'm mostly writing. Like, are you watching Bosch? <laughs> <laughs> like, this is the worst thing that a human could do. Like, just shut off the TV and come to bed <laughs> instead of watching Bosch. It does. Yeah, it could be the greatest show of all time, and it just being called that is uh, condemns it too. Something about it, so uh, I, I wrote a couple jokes about it in Riff Tracks. Yes, but I anyway, that... you saying it rewards the patient viewer with something. <laughs> That's the... I was like, I think he's actually watching this show. Like, 
I did to bring it up. I stopped watching it. I did it just because I wanted to. It was like my my bit, my gig, you know, like, have you seen Bosch? Like, no, I haven't seen Bosch. Nobody has. <laughs> so it appears anyway, like that's what for... makes that's what makes it funny with the dogs like, hey, uh, TV would comfort me. Should we turn on Bosch? Yeah, it's just like a warm blanket you put around yourself. <laughs> yes. Bosch is apparently ran for seven seasons. The first season has 102,000 <laughs> reviews. By season seven, it has uh, 1,200 reviews. So. Okay. <laughs> uh, viewers weren't too patient with it. <laughs> sure. But then it had Bosch seven Legacy. Years? But yeah, then Bosch Legacy stuck in. So there's oh a little bosch <laughs> Oh, wow. All right. Anyway. Uh, yes. So yeah, Bo- uh, Pongo wants to be comforted. So they, uh, I think, think about turning on the TV and it just, it turns on itself. Uh, the screen grew so bright it was as dazzling as a powerful headlights on a car in a dark night. And as the screen brightened, the room darkened until the three dogs sat in utter blackness, gazing at utter brilliance. The edges of the screen darkened a little, and the light seemed to be drawing all its radiance into the center where, brighter than ever and flashing even brighter, it assumed the shape of the star. And Mrs. says that, like, she had a dream last night, and now she's just remembering that it was about this star. Um, and then the star starts talking to them. <laughs> yeah this is totally bizarre um because i didn't uh, you know when like oh i just think of the tv and now oh snap it turned on mm-hmm. and then the voice comes on it's like i would you, what would your reaction be if suddenly a voice started talking to you a voice uh, that you couldn't i mean right as a it, human being you would go like i obviously i have gone insane you would grasp for anything other than just going, oh, hey, voice. <laughs> <laughs> right. You'd, you'd say, like, did you hear that? Whoever you're with would say no. And you'd be like, uh, oh, this is not good. Like, you know, I'm about to you know, have an aneurysm or something. Yes, I've flipped over the edge. Or I'm just, I'm dead. Or I'm not who, again, I'm not who I thought I was or something. But they just have a little chat with it. Yes. And, the, and- voice, the voice gets playful. And here, I, I'm just going to read this. Okay. I did indeed, said the voice. Oh, you and I can work together, brainy Pongo, and I can work with metaphysical misses. As for Cadpig, now how shall we describe Cadpig? Clever and intuitive, very, very pretty. And shall we say just a trifle bossy? The voice was now quite playful. Uh, Strange omniscient voices coming from a TV. Uh, Playful? I, I don't know. I would just be like, ah, 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 you know, where's the knife? I got to gouge my own eyes out, my ears. This is what is going on here. But yeah. instead, they're, they're just like, ha, ha, ha. oh, voice. Especially because to some of them, it sounds like the Dearlies. It remind, to Cadpig, it sounds like the yeah. Prime Minister. So it's clear, you know, that's a, you know, that's a Pennywise the Clown tactic. He's like, it's you know, exactly to you who are afraid of uh, afraid of birds, I'm appearing as a horrible, like, you know, pteranodon. And to you, like, you've always feared that uh, Paul Bunyan statue, so it's coming to life. It's like, I seize on, you know, your 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 faults and your fears, and this is what I do. So uh, as soon as you realize you're seeing and hearing it differently from the other people in the room, that's when you've really lost your mind. Yeah, and then later, the, I mean, it's towards the end of this, they call it it. Oh, wow. Yeah. They do. Huh. So Sewer Clown <laughs> is, is there, and it's speaking to it. And yeah, and uh, 
Tommy, right? He hears a different voice. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, I, I found this so bizarre. Well, he essentially says, the voice, what is also what uh, in Field of Dreams, the, cre- the if you build it, they will come, he will come, is credited mm-hmm. as the voice. Um, and they've always, the rumor is that's Ed Harris, because in the credits it just says the voice as himself. Um, but it says, uh, the voice tells them that it wants them to all be in Trafalgar Square at midnight, and that they're going to do like the uh, starlight bark then. Mm-hmm. And the other dogs can be on elevated things if they're in the country or in the town square, if they can't make it to London. But he's giving them these orders. And then the voice essentially playfully says, oh, you'll have to wait and see. Uh, but then uh, Mrs. asks, he's like, isn't this, isn't, Mrs. is frightened. And when the voice said this, I read it in like the, the saw villain voice, you know, coming in <laughs> over the loudspeaker distorted, just being like, Yes, Mrs., it will be frightening, but don't you sometimes enjoy being frightened? Don't you find it pleasantly exciting? (laughs) So Mrs. has the right attitude, I think. But then doesn't Pongo say, like, oh, come on, this is a lark. Yeah, I do. I love this. I like being frightened. I like, uh, you know, when my owner holds up a sheet in the doorway, and then when he drops it, he's no longer there, and I freak the hell out. Like, I like that. Uh, so, okay, so the voice, uh, oh, oh, this is it. The voice does um, the uh, you can't wish for more wishes thing as okay. a genie, yeah. which I, this bugged me. Uh, certainly it is, but you can leave the rest of the world to me, dear bossy cad pig. Now, each of you may ask one question, <laughs> but that question mustn't be what's going to happen. <laughs> All right, voice, yeah. like, wh- why? Wh- like, who... Why don't we get to ask that? Yeah. Because you, you can't, because I'm the voice. Yeah. And the I, voice is, I, I don't. yeah, he's, he's giving him little like, you know, he, well, you know, he's in the, in the spirit of Calvin Ball. He's making up his own rules as he goes. Because then he doubles down on it, which I'm, I'm sorry, I'm calling bullshit on this one. Pongo said, who are you? That's fair, right? Yeah. It didn't ask what's going to happen. He said, who are you? And then the voice goes, Oh, that would be like telling you what's going to happen. Wait and see, Pongo. Wait and see. <laughs> well, well, yeah. But, it's... Uh, you just changed the rules on me. You said I, the one thing you can't ask is this. Then I ask another thing and you go, oh, no, that's just like that. Yeah. What? No, it's not at all. Well, Who it's... are you is fair. The, uh, you, you mentioned Bosch. The guy who plays Bosch was on Lost, and they would do that a lot. Where they would just they would have <laughs> Titus Welliver. Yeah, he was he was like towards the very end where it really just went okay. off the rails, and he was like playing some you know some insane. Towards the end when it went off the rails, <laughs> but in Lost they would get they would get like you know this voice, and uh, and they wouldn't think to be like who are you, and if they did, he would do the same thing, just being like, you know, I can't if tell I you that. You that, that. Yeah, exactly. then I would so, yes. just like, come on. Like, uh, but yeah, so they ask him like, what's up with their son, Roly Poly? And he says, I can't see him. So it's like, okay. Um, he says, uh, Pongo is, uh, they think he might come from outer space and Pongo's trying to remember like what books Tommy had in his bedroom. And then the voice like comes back in and just like, Hey, Pongo, yeah, yeah, yeah. don't pry into Tommy's, uh, business here. Yes. Like, so it's like, if you ever, have you ever done an escape room? I never have. If you ever start, like, you know, going off the rails, they'd be like, don't, don't break that. They you, you come in over the thing like the saw guy. And they're like, don't, over, don't go over there. You're not supposed to be there yet. Like, just focus over here. 
like use the black light and try to find the code like don't just like pull the thing <laughs> yeah but the the tv actually the whatever this is i assume this is serious the star right yes uh snaps back on by itself right right so it's like oh boy we just had a an encounter with the supernatural you know it would be like um you know, God and Moses or something like take off your sandals for this is hallowed ground and now here's your mission. And then it'd be like, all right, well, I'm going to grab my staff and head down. To- <laughs> hang on. Hang on. Wait, what? <laughs> right. I got more. Yeah. This is a weird. Wait, you just like the voice came on. You sort of played with us, insulted us, gave us our mission. And then you snap back on and yelled at us. Right. And you need to use the the TV to convey this. You know, yeah. the bush starts burning again. Like, Right. Anyway, that struck me as uh, pretty lame from the voice. Yes, I agree. It's uh, it, it, if, if the medium is the message, he picked a pretty lame one. Yes. But they they obey. They leave. They head out uh, head out of the house and head to Trafalgar Square. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't know. Nothing was super weird happened until then. They end up getting in touch with a, a old loud Great Dane who is sort of like the loudest guy they know. So he was able to do the twilight barking. Like he was able to facilitate it more than anybody. Yeah, they told. So the, this is what the voice told them, right? So then they go and they do this, and nothing happens. So this felt to me like a wasted beat where they're like, well, that didn't work. And they're like, should we try one more time? I guess. <laughs> so, so they do. And then all of a sudden the Great Dane answers them. And I mean, from what we read so far, all the dogs are in London, right? Hanging around. A vast majority, but they pooping all over everything. Yeah, I, well, they. I think I don't think I think they hand wave that away. They haven't eaten anything, so there's no need. Oh, to that's right. There's no. Else. Yeah, there's no plastic <laughs> bags around. Uh, they don't need them. But the Great Dane says um, he answers them. Oh, can I believe my ears? Boomed the Great Dane. Is it really my old friends Pongo and Mrs. After all this time on this most extraordinary day when the barking chain has been at its worst? All these newfangled thought waves have been so confusing. Okay, so the Great Dane is in some far-flung county, right? Living on a farm or something. Mm-hmm. And it, its masters just like pass out and go to sleep. And it's just <laughs> wandering around going, huh. Huh. And the thought waves don't really work for it because it's, I assume, as dumb as a box of rocks or whatever. Yeah. And then one day it hears a bark and it's like, oh, is this what's going on? Yeah, I ate my master's abdomen like three <laughs> days ago. Oh, you guys weren't hungry, huh? Yeah, oh. I guess I wasn't, but I was just sort of acting on Weird. instinct. There's just nothing else to do. I was just like kicking around. I, I, I didn't hear anything from anyone. I do have a bigger metabolism than you guys. I'm really... My, my half horse, really. So I'm very large, very large. Besides, <laughs> yeah. I was just kind of bored. I don't know. I guess. Oh, be- okay. So now, what am I? Oh, I'm supposed to come to London. What should I do with the bodies? <laughs> Did your owners wake up and uh, at the end of all that? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. They're uh, they're awake. Hey, Great Dane, you better come <laughs> in here. I gotta go. My owners are calling me. Uh, they're alive. Bye. Wait, your owners can bark the Twilight Bark? Yeah, they're 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 honorary half dogs. We're honorary half dogs. Oh, Just like yeah. Timmy. I mean God. Tommy. God, they sound a lot like you. Weird. Oh well. Bye. Bye. Ten Downing Street. Okay. <laughs> bye. 
So, yeah, I guess he was just hearing all this barking, but it was sort of like if there were air raid sirens going off all day long, and he was like, hmm, guess that doesn't apply to me. <laughs> uh, so then, but then they have the discussion with, uh, who is it? The Oh, no, this, I think this, oh, it's the Great Dane. Sorry, okay. sorry, sorry. The Great Dane says this confusing thing. Um, oh, I couldn't, co- they're like, hey, get here, Great Dane. Uh, we need you. And he says, oh, I couldn't come all that way. I'm no longer a chicken. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, but it's easy, blah, 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 blah. And then uh, who asked the question, which I thought was, oh, Mrs. Yep. Uh, what did he mean when he said he was no longer a chicken? Was he ever a chicken? This is what I mean about Mrs. What's, hey, hey lady, what's yeah. going on? She has like facial blindness for, uh, for puns and uh, expressions. Yeah. And then Pongo laughed. It was just an expression, Mrs. He meant he was no longer young. And that should be the end of that, right? Mm-hmm. But when he was young, he was a puppy, not a chicken. God damn it, Mrs. <laughs> Bad dog. Newspaper. Newspaper. <laughs> damn. What? Why are we wasting? Something is happening here. There's a devil asleep in the other. But also- Do we need to spend time doing this? Abbott and Costello routine. <laughs> but also they picked the one thing that is like, I couldn't come all that way. I'm no longer a chicken. Means that, are, so is he afraid to come there? Like, or he's, et cetera? Like you picked yes, one, I, one thing that has two Omitting the word spring was yeah. like, just please just put the word spring in there. I don't think I'm it no clarifies. longer a chicken means anything. <laughs> uh, so I guess they he does, though, start to send out this message and they're, uh, end of the chapter by sort of she's concerned about roly poly. She was thankful all the pups were full grown, sensible dogs capable of taking care of themselves. All but roly poly, he was more than full grown, but he would never be sensible. Where was he? And I thought like it would be great if he just came back with you know smoking a cigarette and he's got Cruella's ear on his collar. Like just <laughs> I'm never going to tell you what happened in there, and you can never ask me about it. Just know that I take care of business. <laughs> He's got uh, two silent guys who, you know, their tongues were cut out. (laughs) Who are those guys? They do what I tell them. That's all you need to know. We saw some shit, man. (laughs) But yeah, that's that's what ends. It ends with um, him saying he was anxious about all dogs. And then it literally says what was going to happen. Uh, At this point in time, I have no idea. So uh, we might be going to space. We might be killing Cruella de Vil. Nothing would surprise me at this point. We got a voice speaking to us, commanding us to do things. Um, yeah, there's this could uh, this could go uh, this could go wrong. Yeah, a lot has happened in twenty thousand words, and there's a lot more ground to cover in the final ten. So I look forward to it. Yes, indeed. Uh, let's read some dumb sentences before we get out of here. A sentence begins with a capital letter. A capital letter is a letter that's big. A capital letter is not a small letter. A capital letter is big, big, big. A sentence ends with a period. All right, here are the dumb sentences of the week uh, submitted by our uh, loyal listeners. Here's the first one. It's from Amanda. The sentence was, it's from Cruella's uh, pie recipe. Sprink... (laughs) Sprinkle with a very little meat. So it's interestingly grammatically constructed, but she just wondered, is it possible to sprinkle meat? Seems seems tricky. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Mike submitted, the door opened, parentheses, no doubt it had been asked to, and parentheses, and out they both went. 
And Mike uh, said, you know, as, as we have started in, in the Klein books, you're the narrator. If you don't doubt it was asked, we don't have to. Just say it was. <laughs> uh, Scott submitted, this is from the zoo. They, they are observing all the animals who are asleep. They might have been painted fish in painted water. And he just is very, very curious how hydrodynamics do not apply to pools of water containing sleeping fish. They don't sink or float or anything like that. Uh, Todd submitted, apart from that, she was an almost perfect specimen of the breed with beautiful spots, wonderful eyes, and a most fetching expression. Janelle submitted, it's become a hover tractor. She thought it reminded ah, nice. her of the uh, sky cars like in Tech War. Uh, Harris submitted, Anyways, we've been practicing, and it seems like that if my Jack Russell and I perch near him with both the cats, and we all think hard about the tractor moving forward, well, it does. And they said, I cannot think of a sentence that better encapsulates the starlight barking. Chaps admitted, uh, <laughs> this is pretty great, too. It surmises it pretty well as well. Get into position, tractor pushers, ordered the sheepdog. <laughs> oh, that's uh, classic. Uh, Lindsay submitted, they were swooshing and so was the tractor. Lindsay questioned the point of the tractor. If they can swoosh the tractor, they can also swoosh the boy. But uh, who knows? Maybe that also comes up in the third act. Uh, ben submitted, as the stoners covered, Mrs. looked longingly at the box, but what she longed for was the longing for a peppermint cream, not the peppermint <laughs> cream itself. And Hayden submitted, she said she'd had a depressing afternoon entertaining the provincial lady dogs. And he said, why did you do this? It's only been one day since everything changed and it wasn't scheduled. No one is forcing you to do this. So I don't know. They must have, uh, they must be, uh, you know, carry some sway with an important voting block or something. <laughs> You don't want them on your bad side. Uh, I also submitted one about the lady dogs. I just submitted the first time they were mentioned. I have to entertain some provincial lady dogs in the drawing room. That one stood out to me right away. Um, I forget. There's a couple notes here. I, it's not a dumb sentence, um, but this is a one that I, I just hope that my pets, I don't have pets, but I, I had them in the past. I hope they didn't do this. Good, said Cadpig, and then asked if everyone would like to see the sleeping prime minister. <laughs> Is that what happens when I'm asleep, dear God? I mean, you know... Uh... One pet in your room looking at you sleep is is unnerving as it is, let alone, uh, you know, a dozen or so other uh, provincial lady dogs and Dalmatians. Yeah, but then you wake up and like, uh, you know, an inch away from your nose is Tommy. Like, (laughs) ah, 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 ah. No, no, relax, relax. I'm a half dog. It's okay. I'm a half dog. I'm a half boy, half dog. And you and I are the (laughs) only humans awake. (laughs) Ah, 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 That's not helping. (laughs) Uh, well great stuff stuff, folks thank you for sending that in thanks to people who submitted their tricky fanfic and we're gonna we're gonna finish this thing for next time oh man my you just reminded me of my fanfic my failure it had to have been mentioned it's you know it's all it does is set the stage for further redemption no it doesn't all right thanks everyone thank you bye Bye.